Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 90 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. In this issue, the panel will be examining Tomb Raider 2013's successes and shortcomings, its sexual assaults and its tiny tombs. We'll also be taking a good long look back at Lara Croft's 90s Derbyshire roots as a South American man. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello! Oh, bouncy. James Carter. Hi. (laughs) Less bouncy. Less bouncy. (laughs) And uh, first-time Cane and Rinse panellist from Game Burst, Neil Taylor. Hello! In the middle of chirpiness there. Good. (laughs) All bases covered. Now, advert, ahoy, alert. Um, we've It's come to our attention that uh, some of you, evil glare, switch off before the end of the podcast. Because you know we do the routine thing where we run down, you know, where Tell to jokes. find us and links and all that. Yeah. And they miss, they miss, mm-hmm. they miss the, the end piece of music, which is not, it's not the closing theme. It's usually a piece of music from the game. But the point is um, that it may well be that a number of our listeners haven't yet become aware that uh, we now have a range of merchandise. Um, some pretty nice t-shirts and uh, for men, women and children um, and also iPad covers. Uh, we think we've also got hoodies and various other things. Uh, they're very cool and you can find all that at http slash colon colon no <laughs> I know I, I know internets http colon slash slash cane and rinse dot spreadshirt dot co dot uk now um, the prices are not uh, inconsiderate no that's the wrong word what is wrong with my brain I've been away on holiday a week and uh, take, had a lot of sun I didn't I didn't drink so have we yeah that's true you weren't on holiday though you were working harder uh, I got out the zone uh what I'm trying to say is the items aren't cheap. They're not. They're not. These are not budget prices. But the quality is high, and uh, the small percentage that we do take for ourselves goes into the running and maintenance of the site. And it's the only way in which we will ever ask for funds from our listenership. So please check it out, Tony. You've uh, and James. I think you've already got some items. I'm yeah, afraid yeah. I haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you think they're the best things ever. <laughs> why, why? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I was wearing mine today at work. That is cool. Uh, very good.
right, Tomb Raider. Now, I have memories of Tomb Raider going all the way back to before it came out. I remember reading previews in Sega Saturn magazine and other probably multi-format magazines about this game coming from core design of Derby, who I knew from uh, the Amiga days, really, back in uh, the late 80s and early 90s for games like Rick Dangerous and Chuck Rock, the medieval theme... Uh, medieval? What is wrong with my brain? The prehistoric-themed platformer, <laughs> Chuck Rock, and the excellent Thunderhawk series, um, which were a sort of cl- uh, cool, accessible uh, helicopter sims. Um, there was one on the Amiga, which was excellent, and then it went to Mega CD and later to PlayStation 1. Um, but apart from a few notable examples, the the sort of solid 3D arcade adventure hadn't really, uh, you know, been much of a thing yet because the technology hadn't been there. So this this game where you played this woman exploring caves, Indiana Jones style, looked pretty intriguing. Um, and the game launched on Saturn first. Um, a lot of people seem to forget that because they associate the game so much with PlayStation. But it was a it was lead developed on the Saturn. Um, I bought the Saturn version on launch day. It, it was uh, exclusive, I think, for two weeks or something like that before it came to the PlayStation. Um, and I started playing it, and I thought it was pretty cool. But it was mostly Nathan McCree's music, which I loved about it, more than the gameplay, which which was instantly recognisable as kind of Prince of Persia has gone 3D, which, of course, he hadn't back then. It was a 2D platformer. Um, but... Uh, I soon saw a comparison of, in a magazine of course, not on the internet, between the two versions and sadly, despite the Saturn's many qualities in in 2D work, uh, when it came to polygons, um, PlayStation was was slightly more powerful, so I I traded and upgraded and uh, eventually completed that first Tomb Raider. Uh, It took many hours and a guidebook, um, but I got there in the end. And I think that would be the last one I would play more than about an hour of until Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light. Um, but uh, Neil, I guess, were you there day one with the original Tomb Raider? I was there day one for the PlayStation version of Tomb Raider, I'll be yeah, honest. So you weren't there day one, is what you're saying. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm afraid. I, I'm similar to you. I, I was I had a friend who had a Saturn, and you know, as you were back then, you were, mine's better, mine's better, no. And he was going, look, we've got this Tomb Raider coming. And then yeah, he yeah, was so yeah. happy that it appeared on the PlayStation when I bought it. I actually can remember the case when I bought it. It was in, uh, it was before I think the PlayStation had the big thick cases. It came in, you know, like the old uh, style double CD case. Yeah, that was actually because they ran out of the this genuinely they ran out of the, the the official PlayStation game cases, so they just started putting them in standard dual disc dual cases. Yeah. Factimation. Although I, I have been sort of going back and playing this game not so long ago, and some of it still holds up, and some of it doesn't. Yeah, I was wondering about um, sort of you. Uh, you can still buy the early games on Steam and, and other places, can't you? I, I do wonder how they hold up, I imagine pretty badly because of the sort of stiff grid-based movement and stuff um, when we're so used to, to running around with, with Nathan Drake and, and stuff, for, you know, for the flaws of the of the locomotion in that game it's incredibly fluid compared to Lara in, in 96 which is completely forgivable because you know, this was, this was new and exciting stuff third person, 3D full poly, textured polygon worlds were, were not something we'd seen a lot of Yeah, but I mean, even for the next five years that was still a a massive Mm -hmm. uh, stumbling block for a lot of games was you know uh, 3d camera 3d movement never oh it took a long time to refine so absolutely can be forgiven that obviously even tomb raider itself though stuck with the same control method all the way through i think Mm. 
wasn't it up to Chronicles? I think they were still using the, the pretty much the grid-based stuff. Um, mm. It's one of the major complaints about the earlier games is that they actually didn't involve the series um, in mm. many ways, and the controls was one of the, one of those sticking points. In fact, many games already had got past that, but they they stuck with that more kind of. Yeah, things like Legacy of Kane, of course, Soul Reaver, mm-hmm. uh, which came out in the late nineties, um, kind of started to make Tomb Raider look a bit old-fashioned, and that may be why when Core was absorbed by IDOS, um, they thought of of giving the the franchise to Crystal Dynamics. Hmm. Tony, were you there for Tomb Raider the first? As oh, a young, PlayStation, yes. A young gentleman. I mean, it's hard to describe how important I think Tomb Raider was um, to a public that doesn't know about that now. I mean, it, I mean, the only way I can really describe it is the the kind of Uncharted two or Uncharted when it first came out. You know, a lot of people were excited for this kind of game that they felt like we were going to re-explore where Tomb Raider was heading, um, or at least be a good Tomb Raider, maybe. Um, when I personally think it went in a different direction, but for me, I was really excited about Tomb Raider. I, I don't know, actually. I I think I was re- really excited once I was playing Tomb Raider. I don't know about the, the build-up to it. It was, you know, the PlayStation looking for new games, and yeah. you know, lots was made of the, you know, a lot of publicity around, surrounded uh, the release, so... Yeah, I think it was one of those games where the the press were giving it a lot of coverage, because not particularly... I mean, a core were obviously, you know, getting journalists to come and see it and stuff, but I think it was one of those where people were just, you know, journos were going in there and going, wow, you know, we should give this like a few pages because this is seriously impressive stuff. But I do think that its impact was aided by the fact that we didn't get Super Mario 64 until the following year, whereas the game had already been out for six months in Japan. Super Mario 64, now obviously, you know, you might think, well, hey, what, you know, what's the connection there? You know, it's a cutesy platformer versus this, you know, Indiana Jones type thing. But actually, the 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 sense of... of movement and exploration uh, and and so on and the actual character control was so far ahead in Nintendo's game of Tomb Raider that if you once you played Super Mario 64 even in 1997 as a PAL N64 owner it became kind of difficult to go back to Tomb Raider because yeah, even, it was so stiff even Ocarina of Time as well I mean not far beyond yeah very that. true the next year yeah same year as same Christmas as Tomb Raider 3 yeah mm. yeah yeah, um, and obviously people carried on buying the Tomb Raider games, but I, I felt like because I got, I got pretty bored of them at some way into number two, um, because I was already I'd already played Super Mario sixty four and and I could see you know there were other games on the N sixty four like Space Station Silicon Valley and um, Blast uh, no Body Harvest and things like that very different games but again just more the N sixty four was just capable of of much better you know rendering better three D worlds and Tomb Raider seemed to be you could tell from the previews in the magazines of Tomb Raiders, particularly Tomb Raider 3, where pretty much all they could say was, oh, her hair moves now. Look, she's got a ponytail that animates. Oh, and she changes costumes. And you're like, wow, great. <laughs> Thanks. But, I mean, but if you're re- if you're into Tomb Raider, at, at evolution and all that kind of stuff, you know, hindsight, 50-50. But Tomb Raider to me always had a certain charm where, you know, yes, Mario was, you know, obviously fantastic and, and all the other games mentioned were fantastic but Tomb Raider just felt like Tomb Raider like it was doing the thing that not many other people were doing that the whole explore caverns and caves yeah, and stuff sure. um, it you know it didn't necessarily evolve much over certainly over those first three games or even <laughs> the last revolution or Chronicles in fact but nope, what it did really. was you know very solid and you know Laura Lara 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 um, you know, because advertising was a huge thing with the Tomb Raider games, and they used uh, Lara Croft, Laura, <laughs> Lara, 
it's because I've been listening to so many American podcasts. Um, Lara Crofts, um, they used her on the front of many magazines. It's a mag- you know, print advertising was a huge thing back back in '96 and all the way up into the 2000s. So, and you know, more and more sexual positions and stuff like that, thinking that's what the male demographic wanted, but always felt in the actual games itself, she kept some sort of dignity. Yes, you could run the camera underneath her boobs or look at her legs from close and like we all did that at least once but i always felt like they didn't actually you know go down in those depths within the actual gameplay itself that was just kept for the the print advertising i always think those two gets quite muddled up and also it was the uh, i mean you know talk about all the people who have portrayed lara uh, over the games um you know in terms of uh, voice acting and, and these days motion capturing and face modeling but actually one of the things that they did a lot of back then was was um you know shoving models in in the costume and sending her to photo shoots and press mm-hmm. events and and all that and and yeah it, it was it was like the you know the famous incident and again referring to another crystal dynamics uh, product where the difference between the the art for Pandemonium One and Pandemonium Two was that they sort of swelled the female character. I forget her name. Uh, her breasts by about one hundred and fifty thousand percent. And yeah, and and Core or, or Idos maybe were totally guilty of of sort of se- increasingly sexualizing. And there was this weird, and there still is, I think, to a point, this weird uh, schism between how um, maybe the developers want her to be perceived and how um you know sort of how she's she can be in some ways viewed as a feminist figure but also uh she is still sexualized in some in some media it's it's a strange thing and as i say it's a massive topic mm-hmm. um and uh, and what it all comes back to i think and what's important to remember is none of that would have happened if she hadn't become quite a significant icon for video gaming quite quickly yeah. Um, she she was very visually recognisable. Um, she was a she, which you've already mentioned. That wasn't exactly commonplace. Um, and she she was a character that was was fun to play as, um, and and became quite a quick icon. I think in a way that perhaps even Mario wasn't wasn't that fast. An oh icon. yeah, definitely. Uh, when the PS One hit and Tomb Raider was out, and that you know being there, I remember that being a really big deal when you know the future games in the series all you know started to become maybe less popular once you get down to the very end where were huge commercial successes, hence why we churn one out every year James, <laughs> what about you um Tomb Raider day one or is maybe maybe this was uh, your first tomb Raider two thousand and thirteen I just don't know no no, no, I played the original tomb Raider uh, on p c oh you um, flash bastard. <laughs> <laughs> not my PC on school oh, PCs. Cool. Uh, at the time, we were um, a group of us, maybe five or six of us, going into the computer uh, studies, as it was. Not even IT; it wasn't even that advanced hmm. then. Uh, computer studies uh, room at lunchtime, and uh, we would play Doom or um, Championship Manager. Um, and uh, and yeah, one, one day someone uh, installed Tomb Raider, hmm. and uh, it, it was something obviously very different. Mouse from and those keys games. or Gravis gamepad. Uh, <laughs> uh, mouse and keys. We only had mouse and keys at, uh, at the school. They didn't. They didn't I think it worked fine actually. Mouse and keys, but I mean, even though it was designed for the Saturn pad originally. Yeah, we've been having had this conversation on uh, Twitter actually. And Strident, who's a huge Tomb Raider fan, um, he swears by the fact that um, mouse and keys is the best way to play Tomb Raider. I mean, I, I've only ever played it with a pad. So I yeah, yeah. Raiders, I or just early Tomb Raiders. All Tomb Raiders. Well, that's crazy. Um, clearly, the latest one was designed to be played with a, with an Xbox 360 pad or similar. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because um, Mouse and Keys still kind of 
holds sway over first person shooters generally, but third person mm. games. Well, I mean, her running was so directional. Pads now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It it's worked absolutely great fine. Base movement with, um, is fine for keys, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um and yes, yeah. she did her her combat aiming was auto, which is you know one of the big problems with the game arguably was that you know we talk we now bitch endlessly on on our uncharted series of, of podcasts about uh, the combat in that game but <laughs> fucking hell. Tomb Raider's combat yeah. was just toilet. It really was. Yeah, I remember there's this odd thing where you're running and, and her arms are kind of just going behind snapping her. all over the place. <laughs> it just it was looks a great idea. It was a solution because yeah, yeah, yeah. how do we do 3D aiming? You have to remember Mm-hmm. Okay, it was designed for Saturn and PlayStation pads. They didn't have analog yeah. sticks on. Yeah, the first game doesn't even no, work no, if you turn your analog sticks on at all. No, it wouldn't. No, no. So it's not at all, no. and uh, bear in mind, this is one of my favourite franchises. I can't defend the combat in these games at all. Not now. No, not today. No, it just... no, it doesn't. It doesn't hold up. And one of the huge problems with Tomb Raider Two. 1997 um i believe it added dynamic lighting and stuff like that um of course the first and last tomb raider that came out on the saturn was the original um but tomb raider 2 had some great new locations famously venice early on and stuff like that and you got to drive a motorboat through a a, a glass over overpass and things like that but there was so much killing in tomb raider 2 Mm -hmm. but it was just so boring because all you had to do was hold the triangle button down tomb raider Raider 2 is my favorite (laughs) Well, that's fine. Defend but, it, Neil. Uh, yeah, why, why, why do you like it when it, for, for for me and you know maybe some others? I don't I see, know. I, I'm um, not sure. It's been such a long time since I've played this the one, but it's the one that sounds like my favorite. I think it was just. The, I think it's the ending of that game that I love. I know the combat is not great, and the, I don't remember there being more than the first one, but I'll take your word for it. I do remember that the the level design was so much more interesting, and then when you it? got to the very trippy ending level, all right. I what was that, that based around? It's okay. We could, we, we we'll we'll spoil the new Tomb Raider, so that's your your spoiler <laughs> warning. But we'll also certainly be happy to spoil any old Tomb Raider. You end up fighting a dragon, but but the, the, you get oh. this weird sort of uh, I don't know how to describe it. The, the level you do to get to that point is sort of set. I want to say I think it was like in the astral plane, so it was very very just little pass and interesting colours and it was a really really nice touch it was completely different to every level you played in that game mm. but unlike some games where they tried to do that it didn't immediately go tits up it was actually interesting and playable rather than say I'm thinking of the, the those bits in Max Payne or whatever where, yeah. which are just terrible Zen. It's, but I will say it's been a long time since I've played Zen. it so maybe it, it doesn't hold up as well as you know my inner child is remembering yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm, for me, it was it was a it was a few hours into Tomb Raider two that I pretty much gave up on the series until Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light. <laughs> really, I was that wow. as much as I liked the original, um, with you know the famous T Rex moment and and all and all the good stuff. Um, the level design was was a bit shonky. It was very difficult to know where you needed to go. Hence the hence the requirement of a guidebook. Um, fair play to anyone who managed to complete it without some kind of walkthrough or FAQ but that would be me <laughs> I yeah. I think I I do remember a lot um, getting a cheap book and actually reading because I had maps and you know back then you had to buy books for this thing but not a game guide just one of these cheap books that had multiple games and then here's the Tomb Raider walkthrough for, you see, for this I, month I'd actually argue that the level design wasn't bad the level design was done to make you explore there was things that were oh, yeah. awkward especially with that camera that camera is out to kill you there's no way around it especially in the first game that camera wants you dead <laughs> 
it was again very early it's easy it's it's right that we should be incredibly forgiving of of cameras in early 3d uh games like that especially third person you know it's one thing doing it in first person but to have a a good camera for a third-person 3D adventure like was we, just so, so hard back then. Last uh, well, at Christmas, um, Steam did a deal, and I think I got all the Tomb Raider games for oh, 10 okay. quid, nice. um, which is ridiculous. Just but, um, they, they still look okay, actually. I mean, a lot of PlayStation 1 games really do have aged terribly. Yeah. Actually, Tomb Raider, you, you can you know, move about and explore the environment. Some of them look, you know, look reasonable, for, certainly mm-hmm. for, you know... On the eye now, and that, and that's that. I think that's quite quite a bold statement to make for a game on PlayStation One. I don't. Are there like amazing mods for the original Tomb Raider and stuff that make it, you know, sort of bring it up to date or, or anything mm, like that? Not that I've seen. Uh, anniversary. We'll come on to that later, but that but that didn't arguably didn't do everything right, did it? So, unfortunately, the also is the infamous mod as well. Oh well, naturally, yeah, yeah. The only version with the nude Lara in was, of course, you know, unofficial PC. Um, yes, uh, fortunately, I didn't for the uh the the infamous uh, CMVG April Fool gag the uh st- sidestep Lara left and right in time to uh wanna be by the Spice Girls to have a all her clothes See on. I don't remember that I just remember the playground that every, you know there was always one kid that swore that they was the new the new code it it is worth remembering that even at Lara's most uh, provocative in the, at this stage when she you know when she had hugely pointy breasts or was draped in only a towel it was still kind of below the level of female f- previous depictions of female the female form in video game artwork when you think about um like Maria Whitaker on the cover of Barbarian or um the drawing mm-hmm. of a- Athena the which you know this sort of uh, Amazon or or the um, the famous uh, advert for the game Game Over, which you could see a bit of nipple, and various magazines had to cover it up. Um, it it you know it was Lara was progressive by the standards of of eighty eighties gaming at least anyway. The, the awkward one I always found is where they actually done the, like the computer generated version of her. Uh, and it, she was really badly rendered as well. That was the yeah. thing that always got me. Like she was, even when they were using renders of Lara, like into the early two thousand, maybe the Angel of Darkness era. She still looked like she was from the mid '90s when, when like renders of of game characters had come on a lot. And you know, you're looking at things like um, uh, the Tekken games and stuff like that, where the where the skin textures and all that had really come on a long way in those years. And you know, obviously, we're still heading in that direction. But the it was like they were scared to alter the look of Lara in promotional materials too much. The thing is, much. though, that they probably were because mm. that was a very distinctive look. For exactly. Lara. You, yeah. You, you, th- those those colours, that that top, the shorts, the distinctive mm-hmm. colours, you instantly know who that is, even by the silhouette. Yeah, I'm not talking about the to- the the clothing so much as as the actual the quality of the rendering of the flesh and oh, like yeah. the the. the, the distinctly low amount of polygons in her lips and 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 uh you know her facial features and stuff like that she was almost she looked almost mannequin like rather than whereas you know get characters were looking more and more human and you compare the latest lara whether it be in the cgi sequences or in the in the actual gameplay now and it's just it's it's hard, it's you know it's hardly recognizable as the same yeah it, it is almost like a completely different person well it is it sort of fair. is yeah um so yeah, um, my memories of Tomb Raider three, which again they were they were bashing them out at this point. This was a year later. Um, it may have been that quality control started to suffer, but I'll see what you. I'll defer uh, to you, fellow. It was more of a case of uh, to make Tomb Raider or die for core. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It really was. Tomb Raider was their biggest financial success, yeah, and of course, they yeah. were struggling. 
So they kind of had to do them. I, I remember the big thing about Tomb Raider 3, and this is how how progressive they got with the, the series by this point. You could now sprint. Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> and you could, uh, I believe, you, you think you could crawl so you could get under that's gaps right. and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, was, that was a huge gameplay design was, you can run now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember a bigger focus in previews on her 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 physical ponytail than I do <laughs> than I do the fact that you could actually do stuff like run. But it was still sort of grid-based, was it, at this, yeah. this stage? Mm-hmm. So you... I also remember this one being really hard. I, I think I may have broken one or maybe two PlayStation pads Pad playing Smasher. this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I I played the demo having been got bored of Tomb Raider 2 very early on, um, and I just thought it was awful. I just had no interest in playing beyond the demo now i know demos often are poor representations of the finished game but no not for me james did you play three at all no like you i um probably by the time i was playing the first tomb raider the second tomb raider was nigh on out if not already out so um i dabbled a bit in tomb raiders one and two and then in all honesty due to um some of the the so I guess juvenile behaviour of people that I, you know that I was at school with towards that kind of representation of a female. You know, the, at a certain point, moving the camera around uh, her as a character is interesting be- as a technical yeah. achievement because three D games were still oh, relatively God, yeah. it was exciting, um, yeah. new in that respect. But when you you know you're still doing that, and it's you know the third game, and you're still that's why you're playing the game is to just see what silly angles you can move the camera to presumably there were people um, who just enjoyed you know the just, new locations as, yeah. as you would with a, a new indie or a james bond type film you know going to the new places yeah yeah, yeah. but um but for me it kind of ran out of steam a little bit with the uh objectification of, of her the sexualization of her i suppose in, in the media um and and i had noticed that amongst uh, my friends who i was uh playing still playing games a couple of years later as i was coming to the end of, of high school uh, still going to the computer room and playing, but I was much happier to sit and play SimCity or uh, Championship Manager and, and return to those. Um, but yeah, I just kind of uh, ran out of steam for me fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, Wasn't it around about yeah, three so... where they had the loaded cover? Uh, no, it was uh, the face was the magazine. They, they, I'm, oh. I'm sure it was unloaded, but the the famous magazine cover was the face fashion magazine because she was the first uh, digital uh, non-human. Person, uh, female to ever be on the cover of that magazine. Yeah, I seem to remember that actually making um, like yeah. BBC News as a as a noteworthy comment to say this is this has happened. I think um, yeah, I mean talking about Core, obviously Neil's right to say that Core needed those games, but I imagine that the the real pressure was from IDOS's shareholders. Oh yeah, completely. Um, rather than Core themselves, I mean Core were you know part of they'd been long absorbed into the IDOS behemoth, which was of course later absorbed into the Square Enix behemoth. Um, yeah, I remember one uh, anecdote going back now, or you know, 17 years since we first, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, uh, were playing through Tomb Raider together, kind of, I was doing the controls and she was reading out the, <laughs> the guidebook to me, and uh, we got to this one section, it was uh, it was one of those little flimsy paper uh, guidebooks you got on the front of a magazine, I think it was Play Magazine, and uh, we got to this one bit where uh, to progress you needed to go through, kind of hoist yourself up to a hole, and it was a sort of confined corridor and you had to actually sort of physically manipulate the camera to um could you move could you could you 
was there a first person look view or was it just that you actually had a certain no, amount of control? No, there was sort of a free look. Okay. Like, if I remember correctly, you saw, yeah. I think it was one of the shoulders you, you saw could rotate the camera. It would, the camera would sort of zoom in That's and it. rotate it around. That's it. So, so, uh, we were looking for this uh, thing in the ceiling, this, this way to get through. And, um, as we did the camera, obviously, you know, it kind of has a physical presence and it obviously was bumping against the, the blocks behind Lara. So it kind of did that thing that, Think used to happen in games occasionally does still in bad games where the camera kind of just started drifting on its own and then zooming in and starting to clip through Lara's backside mm. and the word the wording in the guidebook was look up and you'll see a hole <laughs> and indeed oh, we did God. we saw both uh, we saw both holes and indeed a hole in the polygons so then still year on year more sequels um, this time it was again PlayStation and PC but this time there was a Dreamcast version uh, as the the new you know, recently launched in the UK, 1999, the Dreamcast, the last revelation. Was this one in which she died or didn't? Ye- sort of. Pretend dies, uh, Neil. Yeah, it's she. It's when you finish it, um, it's kind of ambiguous whether or not you're left to believe that she died. Uh, was it a good game, the last revelation? This was where I started to get really bored of Tomb Raider. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, you, you and many others, I, I might suggest. Uh, just more of the same, better, worse? It was really starting to feel that way. You, you, you know, there hadn't been much. Mm. They were iterative. You know, there yeah. was nothing particularly new. So by this point, it was just, uh, I played this before. As you'd expect know. for a year-on-year release, really. Yeah. yeah. I added thing, yeah, driving and stuff was on there. There's a lot of backtracking as well. They didn't um, even have the, the, you know, like the modern thing where you'd give it to different teams or whatever like they've done with Call of Duty you know so it was just probably most of the same people just basically slaving on this game constant their whole lives you know, and that's going to tell in in the mm. quality of the game isn't it no. well and it was meant to be the last Tomb Raider game certainly for that generation's of platform that didn't work out because no it didn't no uh, there was still enough demand um, the following year, a year later again for Tomb Raider Chronicles which I believe is a sort of vignette or portmanteau game is that right where it's kind of bits of her past yeah it, it, you've got a section which deals with her sort of i hate, I hate to say this she's sort of in schoolgirl outfit kind of thing so, oh yeah. child lara so the, the sort of equivalent of the um uh, river phoenix bit at the start of indiana jones and the last crusade is it that kind of thing where yeah that's that sort of thing where it's sort of certain section it, it's three of the characters sharing stories about it, it takes place at her funeral and it's, it's these characters telling stories about her life okay. so seven stories. seven vignettes isn't it across yeah oh, right. and you still believe that she's dead at this point sort of thing I... in canon canonically <laughs> I'm not sure. I think this is the one where you... I think it's in here you do find out that she isn't. Okay, dead. she turns up at the end and goes, Hi, everyone, I'm fine. Um, could you still shut uh, the butler in a fridge? I think that's only two you can do that one, but oh, don't hold me to that one. Shame. Um, now, there were three handheld uh, Tomb Raiders. I remember these getting really well-reviewed, but I never played any of them. So there were two on the Game Boy Color in 2000-2001, sim- one simply called Tomb Raider and one simply uh, subtitled Curse of the Sword. Um, I never actually owned a Game Boy Color, so I didn't. I, that's probably why I didn't play these. Um, and then there was Tomb Raider: The Prophecy in two thousand and two on the GBA. Um, and I think these games, yeah, all, all uh, have sort of good critical notices, but they were obviously side-on two D platformers. Uh, did anyone play any of them? Which, I mean, that that immediately removes one of the big draws to Tomb Raider, which we've all talked about, which is seeing a, a you know, an attempt at a realistic three mm. D environment. 
is immediately that that no longer applies in in a two D game. Mm. So I can imagine that they didn't necessarily get the same response commercially. Even I think if they did okay. Well I mean, that you know they had Tomb Raider on the box, and yeah. people are often just happy to, yeah, to sure. ally themselves with an IP. But but actually, the fact that they I think they were solidly made two D platformers, which mm. which makes perfect sense on a you know a, an eight and eight bit sixteen bit handheld. And actually, you know, it doesn't kind of matter in a way if it's a good platformer it's a good platformer no no absolutely um, but none of us have any experience of those I guess no, possibly not. telling no. and then only a year after Tomb Raider the Prophecy but it was uh, three years after Chronicles so it did years, at the yeah. time that felt like an enormous gap because game you know they've been coming out year on year on year um, the troubled development um, which has been well documented we won't go into here for time obviously but Tomb Raider, the Angel of Darkness, the one and only Tomb Raider uh, by Core on PS2, also came out for PC and Mac. Now, who suffered the horrors? Or is it a misunderstood classic? No, no, it's horrible. Is it really it's horrible? Buggy. It, it was I, when I, I what, from what I can remember playing it, I played it through once, mm-hmm. and once was enough. There was a lot of bugs. Controls were terrible. Uh, it, the story wasn't as good. And you could, uh, it was weird because they sort of tried to incorporate sort of dialogue sections into it as well, where you could sort of either be, for want of a better way of putting it, you know, Paragon or, or okay. Renegade. Yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting it, ideas, ambition, but nothing came to fruition. Yeah, the engine just, uh, yeah, had major flaws. Yeah, it was, it was restarted a couple of times before that version finally coming out. It was, yeah, it was a horrid development yeah. by the sounds of it. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, by this point, I was disillusioned with everything Tomb Raider. Mm. I, you know, 2003 was a long way away from 1996, and uh, mm. although you know its controls seemed to be better, uh, you know, certainly had more more control over Lyra. A, a lot of a lot of other stuff had gone completely wrong. Like I say the camera was awful in this one, yeah. um, and it. <laughs> They just they uh, emo's a shitty word, but you know, once again they it's, it seems in that era that everything seemed to want to go darker, and they took her in a, a darker place. She started hating the people that had actually supported her through the rest of the games. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people don't like the way the how the story is handled um, against all, all the other um, earlier in the series, and it's it's pretty much universally hated. Um, but it sounds a bit lots of good reasons why, but I I never actually um, got more than about. I've, probably a few hours into it because it was just rubbish right Lara was retired for another three years but before that I uh, just wanted to include this comment from Press Esk to Exit from uh, from the forum just uh, I think it captures certain feelings that probably Tomb Raider gave a lot of us uh, at the time he says the original Tomb Raider was massively important to me I found it difficult to explain to people exactly how they made me feel the first time around isolated and vulnerable but at the same time brave and empowered you're exploring these spaces where nobody's set foot for hundreds of years and you can sort of feel the weight of all the time that's passed and all the things that might have happened there Endless Ocean and Dear Esther managed to do something similar to a limited degree, but neither have any real sense of danger, and they miss the wee spark of confidence, almost arrogance, of a preternaturally capable lead character like Lara. Um, and actually, the one game that I th- thought uh, Press Esk to Exit might mention there is Metroid Metroid Prime, particularly maybe Super Metroid. Exactly the same feeling, um, but also with a female protagonist, that, that exact uh, sense of isolation and loneliness and history. Um, and yeah, I totally got that from the first Tomb Raider, but I do, again, I, I still want to come back to the soundtrack to the first game by Nathan McCree, which is stunning. It's still brilliant. 
especially if you you think about it, how modern games are just packed full of of music. Tomb Raider is very sparsely mm. sparsely uses its music, and it only uses it to sort of emphasise key moments. And when it does, the music is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and uh, yeah, and actually, the the, the twenty thirteen game is is relatively sparse in its use of music as well, which which I appreciate. Um, although it's not as good, <laughs> the, theme, the themes just aren't as good. I don't think, but that may be a matter of taste. Label owners, boss, studio bosses, um, Idos uh, handed the reins over after Angel of Darkness. I don't know the exact machinations. Um, I'm sure it's out there if you want to read up on that. But uh, Crystal Dynamics took the reins. Um, a slightly newer company than uh, Core were, uh, founded in 92. And they were best known probably for the Legacy of Cain, as I mentioned earlier, bl- slash Blood Omen slash Soul Reaver series, which is a confusing series in itself because it's got sort of three titles. I'm a fan of that series, and trust me, once you get into the plot, it gets even more confusing. Um, and Crystal Dynamics, also famous for the, the those 2.5D platformers I mentioned earlier, Pandemonium, which I think were basically not very good, but they had a certain... I liked them. Yeah, they, they, they had a following, um, and they reviewed... Or the first one reviewed quite well. And then there was Gex, who I think is shit, but... Yes. Uh, <laughs> again, like, like a lot of the... the, the cutesy platform characters of the era some people liked him there were fucking loads of gex games he was voiced by both leslie phillips and danny john jules what the fuck um make your minds wow. up yeah and the playstation had loads of cutesy sort of games like that certainly did so yes they they kicked off with tomb raider legend in 2006 which came out on 10 different formats more than any other previous tomb raider game um, and I remember it was pretty well received at the time, but controversial for its inclusion of QTEs for certain action sequences. Um, never played it. I, I when I heard they were doing a new Tomb Raider, and it was I heard it was Crystal Dynamics. I got kind of excited, and I played it, and I was not disappointed. Cool. This this really was a, for me. It was fantastic. It was a return to form. I also should point out it's a reboot. Um, does it actually tell her origin story, or no? You sort of join a midway in an adventure and you sort of pick up the story from there but it also does flashbacks because there's certain certain events are linked to her past so you flash back to those as well uh but the one thing i remember of this is the controls felt really fluid mm. work seemed to work really well and i never had a problem with the quick time events because they seemed to make sense and they didn't overdo them okay which can be a problem with quick time events you know they can be overused but this one didn't overdo it too much but i really liked it and i remember at the time um hearing that Core had lost the franchise, and I think that was a real big deal to me. I mean, it was no—it's not surprising after how you know, dwindling profits and the fact that Angel of Darkness turned out to be as bad as it did. I think it would, it made sense for Idus to to change developer. Uh, and as, as Neil said, you know, when I heard Crystal Dynamics had it, I, I was really excited because I, I really liked Soul Reaver. Um, yeah. So I, I was generally really excited about it, and then the screenshots and everything they were doing for the 360 version made it look beautiful, and it really was. I remember playing it in 2006 and thinking, good God, this looks gorgeous. Um, How does it look now, anyone? Anyone played it, it recently? It still looks okay. It's not... It, it looks like a 2006 game, it, it, but it doesn't look bad. Okay. It, it's, it's really not, smooth. It, it plays it's really well. Yeah, yeah, and it really does. I'm still intrigued. It, it often crops up in when they do. Um, so they occasionally uh, on on 360 do very cheap on-demand sales, don't mm-hmm. they? And I think it's a game that's come up in those at like you know two or three quid or something. Um, and I'm sure it's on. Yeah, it's part of a download on Steam for about twenty pence or something. 
Um, it was 84p. It was 84p. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, and to follow that up, because uh, I think that did pretty well for them, um, critically and commercially, uh, was the uh, remake of the original Tomb Raider, known as Anniversary. And this uh, was both a, a, a standalone release and released as DLC for Legend. Yeah, so it's weird how that worked, because I think it was first going to be released in episodic chapters i think or the rage uh, it was actually yeah. released in two chunks i believe yeah. yeah and then they also did the disc-based version which was just about on every platform going as well yeah it was yeah both generations uh, i think it yeah it came to wii and 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 all sorts of crazy mobile phones probably i mean you know why wouldn't you it's it's a re- remake of the original um and as as fans of of the original particularly you neil how did it stack up I like it. I know some people don't, but I liked getting that sense of of going back and playing that game again, but with a new take on it. So I I did enjoy it, even if the T-Rex fight was even more annoying than it was in the first original. Well, one of the things about the... I remember the the famous T-Rex entrance in the first game, and of course, because we weren't on the internet uh, very often, if at all, in 1996, we had no idea that that was coming. The screen started shaking, the, the thumping foot steps start coming and then because the draw distance wasn't very good this t-rex just kind of goes boom in your face and actually it inevitably kills you the first time um but once you worked it out just keep moving and and hold the fire button down it actually goes down quite quickly so what did they do um i assume it looks a bit better graphically in anniversary um was it what did it become a qte or jump dodge yeah you've got the sort of slow motion you know the the bullet time stuff you can do yeah. Oh, Max Payne, <laughs> Laura, Lara Payne. Um, but overall, I, the, the, I, I've always fancied playing this. But the the one one thing that put me off, and I know I keep coming back to it, but I can't stress how important it is to me. I I believe it doesn't have the original it's soundtrack. Does it? Yes and no. <laughs> it's also got a redone okay. soundtrack that uses a lot of the original, but it's 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 re-recorded. I think would perhaps be the best way of putting it. Okay. Any other memories of Anniversary? Um, only that it's actually, the, believe it or not, it's the worst-selling Tomb Raider of all time. So That surprises yeah. me. I did not know that. Um, I assume that's not necessarily compared to like the Game Boy Colour versions. Well, and things no, like that. the main main crop, I guess, on, yeah. on the major yeah. platforms. Sure. Um, yeah, apparently it, it did not do very well at all. Um, that's surprising, isn't it? Well, I... It just strikes me as, as quite tonally odd to reboot essentially the series in 2006 and then 2007 to say we've yeah, rebooted it yeah. but yeah, pause here really weird. we're going to go back and remake the first game remember how it was good before <laughs> yeah. we rebooted it well we're going to remind you of yeah, that really weird. I mean that's almost Prince of Persia you know Forgotten Sands style having rebooted we're going to go well, back I mean, we need to do then, this one yeah. then maybe film, um, you know? I, mean, I haven't seen the sales figures of Legend but maybe Legend didn't meet expectations and they thought well we'll go back to the first no, one I, I, I think Legend is... did did really well so I, it was weird i think it was something the team themselves wanted to do and sort of convinced the publisher to do so hmm. i i would i don't uh, yeah i don't know even despite low relatively low sales it may have still been profitable i'm not sure um but it was quite it was a comprehensive remake it wasn't it wasn't like uh you know yeah it it's not it, it's more this one's version. got more in common a, to say of the hmm. resident evil remake for the gamecube yes yeah right so then in 2008, and it's absolutely uh, contextually vital to mention the fact that uh, we were now in a post-Uncharted world when Un- Tomb Raider Underworld came out uh, on nine different formats. 
now I played this one because it was an early PS Plus game. When PS Plus first started giving away actual big wow, proper so not games. Long ago. Uh, about two years. Yeah, but even so? Yeah. Uh, two or three years, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, I played the first few hours, um, and even in a post-Uncharted world, I would imagine it was in development at the same time as Uncharted, or maybe it was... I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's... As far as I got, it was all right. It was, uh, you know, not amazing, but um, it was nice for me, having not played a Tomb Raider game since uh, 2, um, it was nice to actually be able to control Lara properly. Um, and she, you know, she is quite agile, and she's got all these moves, and she actually, you know, shoots at stuff relatively intelligently. And it's, you know, doesn't look that great now. It's five years old on... on PS3, but um, yeah, it was all right. Did anyone get further than me? I got, I got to the bit with the the room with the big octopus. <laughs> I I haven't. I, I've played more than about an hour. Um, I've tried a couple of times, and oddly for me, for having experienced all the other games, um, some high points and very low points, I I got into Underworld and just went, you know what? I've had enough. Um, enough of this. This it just felt so samey, and it felt like Crystal Dynamics had all the ingredients and then just didn't really know what to do with it, which direction to take the character. It was more exploring tombs. And, you know, I, you know, we'll talk about why Tomb Raider felt, obviously they felt like Tomb Raider needed another reboot and taking it a different direction. But at the, at the time I, I really understood why they felt that was needed. Cause I'd, although I'd followed them for all these years, I was just left going, yeah, I don't want to do this again. Um, I remember Garnet Lee was a big uh, proponent yeah. of this particular Apparently game. It's a very good game. Hmm. Uh, Neil, you must have I played it. I did play it. I don't know. I just can't tell you much about it because for some reason it just didn't stick in my memory. That's interesting. Because sort of on paper, it should be uh, before maybe before this, the one we're going on to talk about, it should be sort of like objectively the best Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see what I mean? You know, best graphics, best control. Um you know, I, I don't, I don't know or remember much about the story because I was wasn't that far into it. But it had a nice sense of control. It basically, it felt like playing the first Uncharted game, but with Lara mm. Croft. Um, and you know, we did we did a podcast on Uncharted, the first game, and yeah, we we generally had quite fond memories about it. I think it's interesting hearing you guys talk about it because it speaks to something of why I wasn't inspired um, to to pick any of these up. This was right around the time, 2006, 2007, that I was Mm. getting back into gaming after a a period away while I was at university and and so on. But I I think this speaks to why I wasn't enticed back in because it doesn't seem like either Eidos or Crystal Dynamics had a terribly great idea of where they really wanted to take the series. It seemed like they were they were making some very interesting games, but they yeah. all were standing alone to a certain extent, not really in a particular direction. I think that goes on to where they went next with, with the series, which is just, it seemed to take them a long time to work out what it was they were actually going to bring to the table. Not that they weren't making interesting games in the meantime, but I guess it just seemed a, li- a little muddled in terms of... If if you hadn't played Tomb Raider since Tomb Raider one and two, what would bring you back into to these? If yeah, it is sometimes you can look at it that way, especially because you go you got Legend, which is the reboot, then you've got Anniversary, which is a remake of the first game, and then you've got Underworld, which is a continuation of reboot. And then, and I'm sure this has already been said by cleverer people than I, but uh, isn't it ironic that the 
one game that stars Lara Croft that features more raiding of tombs than any of the others isn't called Tomb Raider. Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, which is basically a non-stop uh, dungeon, twin-stick, isometric, shooter, RPG, dungeon-crawler romp. Um, Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, 2010, downloadable, came out on all sorts of formats again. Um, and it was easily my favourite Tomb Raider since the first one. My favourite Lara Croft game. It is game. a lot of fun, and strangely enough, it's using the Underworld engine. Is it? Okay, that's interesting. I suppose that makes sense. But yeah, a flexible engine. Um, I had a lot of fun playing this. I played it through both solo and uh, in co-op with our own Darren Foreman. Um, it's a really neat, fun, fast-paced, well-designed game. But it's not a Tomb Raider game in, in the sense that it's nothing like any of the others. I, I played this on the PC, and it is a lot of fun. Yeah, yes, for goodness sake. Yeah, um, yeah. I bought this... Uh, was it a Summer of Arcade release? It, yeah, I want to say it was a timed exclusive, and it was either part of the Summer of Arcade, or it might have come out the week before Summer of Arcade started or something, because there was something weird about it where they had to make it a timed exclusive for a month or two. Before. And since then, it's been a, a PS Plus game, so I have it on my download list, waiting to be played again at some point. Tony, did you play this? Um, only a little bit. It, it it just wasn't the type of game I was looking for. Certainly at the time, um, nothing. Yeah, I've for what I've heard, and I, I know um, Cole really really enjoyed it. I think he played it loads. So. It would probably um, it would probably justify uh, a cane and rinse of its own actually because it's so separate. Um, but we'll see about that. Um, just wanted again a couple of comments relating specifically to the uh, pre Tomb Raider reboot 2013 uh, Crystal Dynamics games. So Rich T. Uh, is effusive in his praise I think the three previous Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games are some of my favourite games ever I skipped every cutscene in those games and some of the boss fights were terrible <laughs> in terms of level design and control I do think they are some of the best out there I can't really describe what I like so much about them it just feels so right to me I also love that you only kill five people in Anniversary a lot of endangered animals but only five people and uh, again press escape to exit I've enjoyed all of the Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games. Underworld was actually my game of the year for 2008, but I'm a huge sucker for anything that lets me climb up really high things and jump off, and I always felt like they fell a little bit into the guilty pleasure category. All gorgeous games for their time, with some brilliantly intricate design and a real eye for spectacle, but often pretty buggy, prone to weird collision issues that led to unavoidable deaths and with horrible combat. <laughs> I was going to say, I think uh, Yahtzee summed it up best when he, he coined the term Jagged Rock Junction. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, oh, that makes me think of I Am Alive again, but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting how both those fellas absolutely love them. You know, they seem to really, really like the the Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games. And this is prior, as I say, to to the one we're going to talk about eventually. Um, but they're they're both like, yeah, they got loads of shit wrong with them, but they're great. And so, uh, this is one of the newest. Uh, the most recent titles that, uh, in terms of how close we are to its release, that we'll cover on Kane and Rince minimum. We always leave a minimum gap of two months, and this came out in March. It's now July. How many months is that? Four? Uh, yeah, four months and two weeks exactly to the day. There you go. Recording. Four months, two weeks. So um, it feels like longer ago I was playing it um, for some reason. Um, but yes, uh, I played the PC version. Uh, it was, full disclosure, it was a review copy. Um, I played it on absolutely maximum specs, uh, although due to uh, something that needed patching as regards to um, GeForce graphics cards, I couldn't have the um, 
was it tessellation or something? Tress Tressellation. The hair effects um, on the first playthrough because it crashed crashed the PC. Mm. Um, but it got patched and I, I went back and did some more stuff with the fully animated hair. And it looks great. It does look pretty good. It's <laughs> it a bit it's a bit kind of... After you've played without it, though, it's one of those effects that's a bit like... Look at me, look at the hair, look at my hair. See, I did it the other way around, I played a bit first. What is it about Tomb Raider and the hair effects? Ladies have long hair, men like long hair. Yeah, whether it's a female protagonist or um, or a big hairy animal, you need to get the hair, hair right. But Hair's yeah, good. Not Nathan uh, Drake, apparently, his hair's fine. You know it's a next-gen game when you can get their hair right. We're <laughs> recording on the day that uh, Monsters University is out, and of course Sully uh, in the first yeah, Monsters Inc. was hugely thing, responsible for uh, for the the developments in hair tech in <laughs> yeah. in CG. It's absolutely true. So yes, Crystal Dynamics again decided to do a reboot. I don't actually know what what you know whether they've actually said why we're rebooting. Did they just say, well, we were sick of sequels? To <laughs> was it or was it simply Underworld didn't do very well? So. Let's start I again. think in a um, post on Charter World, I think they felt like they had to do something different. That, that's that's surely the thing that they're not saying, isn't it? Which is pretty much Un- Uncharted One came out, and they thought, okay, we can do something. Maybe yeah, we can we can we can compete with this. Uncharted Two came out, and for all the problems I think that game has, it, it is you know one of the biggest showcases for what this generation's achieved in gaming, and that really put them on the back foot, and they took the time to. I want to get this out there because I think this is a huge point and many people are a fan of Tomb Raider and other people are a fan of Uncharted. I always think the comparisons between these two games is somewhat silly. I, I understand they have share some, some same conceits, but Tomb Raider to me was always about the platforming and raiding of tombs. There's a, Most of it was about the traversal and getting to places. Combat became more and more heavy within the series, but nowhere near the same amount that um, Uncharted has, and yeah, as we found out in our Uncharted shows, and I think Leon brought this up many times, Uncharted is actually really an action game, and it has segments of platforming in it, um, but primarily it's a shooter, and I and I really feel, and and certainly going back and for the show and playing some of the earlier games, there's definitely that sense of Tomb Raider was really an exploration game, mm. Um, mm. and you know they they've obviously felt that they needed to break from that direction and make this more of an, an action game to compete with Uncharted, but I, which I think is somewhat unfortunate. In, in There's the a lot of environmental traversal in Tomb Raider, but I think yeah. we'll I think we'll come back to the sort of the gameplay because first I want to find out uh, how you all you know came about the game, bought it, rented it, and what format did you play it on? Let's start with Neil. This was yes, this was the first game I bought for my gaming PC. I even pre-ordered it. Tony, you played it on PC. Yeah, the pre-owned, uh, pre-owned, pre-ordered. Um, excited, very much excited for it. Um, a lot of the free buzz, obviously. There's some good and bad, but I really felt the time was right to try a, a, another Tomb Raider game. I, I thought the the direction they were taking was going to be really interesting. So, there, day mm-hmm. one, really couldn't wait to play it. Did did you, did you two both sort of you know sort of rattle through it pretty quick, or was it one of those where you had to sort of you know persuade yourself to keep coming back to it, complete it later? Uh, I I played it over five nights, um, yeah. and the reason it took me that long. I mean, I, I think looking at my clock now, I've got clocked in something about eighteen, nineteen hours, but I've yeah, been back yeah. and, and done other stuff. There's lot, there's lots to go. Um, yeah. I was uh, Liz told me I wasn't allowed to play it without her. There, so <laughs> it's oh, one of those yeah. things where <laughs> we both had to get there and for the story and, or because it looks nice. Uh, well, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of uh, did it in two yeah. days. Yep, yeah, I can I can I can understand that. Yeah, it's very Moorish, yeah, though. It really is. Yes, James. Uh, what what format and stuff? Uh, PC for me. 
Um, oh, look at us all. Sorry, sorry, console gamers. We all PC'd it up well, this for, time. For the for this, the simple reason that uh, it's cheaper on PC. I've got a PC that can play it quite well. If it were only available on consoles, like, say, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, Absolutely. I'd happily play it on consoles. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, I mean, c- to talk about Legend being, you know, on Xbox 360, an impressive game, sit that alongside this game, which many would consider to be one of, if not the best looking game on consoles. Oh, totally. um, yeah. it, it's night and day, and it shows with the same hardware, just the, the stretches mm-hmm. and the, the um, advances that can be made. Um, but yeah. no, I, I've got a PC that could play it, and you know, it was one of those games that came out and very quickly was available on key reselling sites at um, about £15 I paid for it. Um, maybe mm. a month after it came out. Okay. Um, I, I was really reluctant to, to pick this up for multiple reasons. First of all, as Tony's already uh, mentioned, people keep mentioning Uncharted, and I'm not a fan of the Uncharted games, but every time someone would talk about it, it was, oh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's like Uncharted, but it does this, this, and this differently. Mm. Well, when you've already said it's like Uncharted, that immediately makes me think, well, I, I'm not going to get on with this game. Um, and the other thing is that this was another in a long line of key members of the development or uh, publisher team coming out and just sticking their foot oh, right yes. in their face, right in their mouth, in a seeming attempt, I'd almost cynically say they're doing it deliberately to try and get some kind of extra coverage for their it game. It kind of works. And it doesn't matter if it's negative coverage, but between Gearbox and um, uh, you know the uh, Ron Rosenberg, it was, um, who, who came out, the executive producer for this game, just... I haven't played Uncharted, or any of them, so so oh, that's interesting. So when I was playing this, I can't do the whole comparison to Uncharted. T- to be fair, Uncharted sitting on a shelf is it's a it's a really good game. It's where I'm going after this, to be fair, because <laughs> leading up to this, I've also been listening to your Uncharted shows. It's like, okay, I really do need to play these games. But what I was going to say is, especially the second one, playing this game, I was drawing comparisons to a completely different game which i don't know how many people mentioned i was comparing it to arkham yeah, yeah. um yeah. i was going to say that, that my my overriding uh feeling from this tomb raider was it's kind of like a mashup of batman uh, the arkham games um the assassin's creed games and tomb raider slash uncharted mm-hmm. it's it takes a lot of bits a lot of little bits from all those games yeah and th- there's a huge batman influence in it no um, doubt in in terms of environmental traversal Absolutely. far cry i'd also say for me uh i know quite yeah, a, bit about, yeah. uh, a bit from far specifically far the cry. biggest one that sort of gives away the the arkham influence is of course the survival instinct vision yes yeah yeah, yeah and the stealth killing um yeah. And and the gaining extra equipment, which okay, that's not strictly an Arkham trope, but it's very much one way it's handled in in a third person uh, adventure game, is yeah. one that we can point to. You know, the extra equipment to unlock extra uh, areas and make traversal a lot easier. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I think it's also a good comparison because, um, like with Batman Arkham City, which was one of those strange ones where it actually reviewed even better than Arkham Asylum, but anecdotally no one prefers apart from our own jay i think prefers arkham city to arkham asylum but i still really enjoyed arkham city because getting around that city as batman was a blast and similarly what i like most about this tomb raider because there are it is lacking in some areas which we're going to talk about shortly for me um 
the actual environmental traversal is such fun. It's so easy. She's so agile and lithe, and you can just throw her from one place to another and use zip lines and ropes and special grabs and all this stuff. And it's it's just really exhilarating. This sort of freewheeling environmental traversal. It, it's mm-hmm. it's like it, for me, it was way ahead of of where Assassin's Creed got. To. Yeah, when it, when it's I mean you you hear that um, Square Enix has said that you know it, although it sold three point four million copies, the game underperformed. I mean, just ridiculous. They thing. had crazy targets, which yeah. means either two things: they've spent far too much making the game and it underperformed, or they just wanted far too much profits from the game. And I have a feeling they spent a lot of money on this game because production value wise, I it's right up there with the very best. And I mean that shows through a lot of lot of things. So graphically. I mean, I, I'm happy to put myself on, on the ledge here and say that I probably think it's the, the most impressive-looking game I've ever played. Um, you know, there's always caveats to that and then different things, you know, but, you know, from a graphical point of view, just pure grunt, it just looks incredible. And from a gameplay point of view, actually, just, like I say, the traversal, the way that she moves, it's just been polished and polished and polished, and it's just so fluid. Yeah, one of the things I really love about this is, is her animation. Uh, not just in the traversal, just in everything, how she feels alive, how the little moments where she holds herself or she's acting or when she reaches out to the wall. Yeah, and not over the top. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah. Which I think yeah. Uncharted falls down yeah. in, like, Nathan Drake. Oh, Uncharted 3, Nathan Drake's, uh, he's squirrely. He looks, yeah, he looks, yeah, some, it's just too much. It's dialed up a lot too high. But yeah, no, they, they It all feels this. very organic, which I really like and I think deserves a lot of credit to those animators because I think they did an absolutely fantastic job on her. What Tomb Raider 2013 doesn't do anywhere near as well as Uncharted, and I know it's a direct comparison, but it's hard not to make it. And also Batman, Arkham Asylum, (laughs) and possibly even Assassin's Creed, although that one's a closer call, um, is the characters and story are pretty weak and forgettable, whereas... Okay, all right. Maybe this. Maybe I shouldn't even bring the story into it because we also were pretty critical about the actual plot points of the Uncharted games. But it's the the characters outside of Lara. She's got this posse, this crew. Um, the game scripted, uh, written mainly, almost exclusively, possibly by Rihanna Pratchett, um, are just a total bunch of forgettable. Dorks. What you mean, the YMCA crowd? It's one of every type. You know, yeah, it's, it's also yeah. a bit. Yeah, it's also a bit self-consciously PC. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't. They're very much a cookie cutter crew. They're very much a, a type. Yeah. You know, you've got the spiritual sort of islander. You've got the sassy black mm. one. You've got the nerdy geek guy who you know has to do something heroic. You've got the tough northern guy who sort of the surrogate <laughs> father yeah. figure, and you all know where that one's going the moment you met him. <laughs> yeah. I think what it does do to a certain extent by having a rather cookie cutter cast is mean that yes, there there are when certain characters die, it's not surprising, but it does mean that with a cookie cutter sort of group of of individuals, Lara aside, because um, I think her character is actually not not bad yeah, at all. Yeah, I'm with you on um, that. Mm. Uh, but I think the rest, what it does mean is that they feel kind of throwaway so you don't kind of you can expect any one of them to die at any time and it wouldn't really be a surprise you wouldn't necessarily care but at least it means that it retains a a certain amount of threat and dynamicism to the story in terms of what could happen next well anyone's fair game because frankly none of them seem that terribly important to want to keep around um 
but yeah, it's it's an interesting one because and the voice acting for the support cast I don't th- struck me as incredibly flat um, across the board, uh, almost. Robin Atkin Downs is is in virtually every game we've ever covered in Kane and Rince, and, and he does a fine he does a fine job. And uh, Camilla Luddington, I don't think she's got necessarily the right voice for Lara. I think she's a bit high uh, pitch, a bit high and reedy. But I think the actual acting, her acting chops are fine. Yeah, yeah. Lara almost stands separate to anything I've just said mm-hmm. about the, the rest of the. But the rest, but yeah. yeah. And and interestingly, you know, we 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 do try to name check voice actors on Kane and Rince where, where relevant and appropriate. Um, and below Camilla Luddington and Robin Atkins. Robin Atkin Downs. There's a heck of a lot of people I've never heard of before, <laughs> which might be, which might be relevant. Uh, with no offence to those people, um, but yeah, but it, it's not just that. It's it, it's a combination, isn't it? It's 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 the slightly flat voice acting and performances, yeah. but that's partly perhaps to the slightly flat and and confused script and the plot, which doesn't really make a lot of sense if you look at it for no. more than half a minute. And the fact that when the characters do meet up and interact, it's just never, it never convinces that they, that, you know, the setup doesn't give you enough sense that there's any kind of real kinship between certain people. And then this kinship sort of develops even when Lara's spending 99% of her time alone. And then when they do meet up, even when they've been through enormous traumas, they're just kind of, oh, hi. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and stuff like that. Uh, And like where Uncharted uh has this great consistency between you know the relationships mm-hmm. between the characters that we talked about Very and much. the memorable characters and the great zingers between them and and all you know the banter and all that and even if it is a bit cheesy cheesy and a bit you know even if it we 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 had that conversation you know would it be a straight to dvd movie or would it be would it would it make the grade at the cinema and and you know i think we decided that actually compared to a lot of the crap that's at the cinema now it would actually stand up quite well but but this the story and the script in this, um, I don't. Th- I, I think straight to DVD would be kind. <laughs> I think the the story. I think if you take this story and give it to Naughty Dog, and I, and I don't want to disparage Crystal Dynamics, but it it's this game is almost entirely an anti Uncharted in terms of everything it does well. Uncharted. That's what I was coming say to. As and got distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So if 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 you take the story and and the characters and give it to a script writer, you know, who can make it just feel a bit more zippy and a bit more, uh, a, put a bit more gravitas into into the interactions between the characters. It needs just needs building on, which is surprising because Rihanna Pratchett is someone that we would have pointed at and said, "Here's someone who speaks out about what games need to do in terms of improving games writing," and here's a game that she has written and I... i'm gonna say though that i, I don't want to just pick on rihanna pratchett she no, seems no, like really yeah. she seems like a really nice woman and yeah, yeah. you know she's obviously got some talent but actually if you look at the games she's worked on the overlord series mm-hmm. mirror's edge heavenly sword maybe she did some on that mm-hmm. and prince of persia none of them are exactly like oh my god you know do you remember yeah, the story yeah. the characters yeah. in that i'd say her track record isn't great to i kind of get the feeling with this she put a lot of focus into i think she put the most focus into lara and yes. i think that's sort of the de- uh, the detriment to to the other characters so you get the sort of stereotypical bad guy whose plot is a little confused but yeah very confused yeah yeah, did I mean James? You, you're you're probably the most talented among us at passing uh, stories. I would suggest it's certainly not me. I'm the least good at it. <laughs> but what the fuck went on in that game? I have I don't really know to be so, honest. 
Lara is part of an expedition crew who are I got that bit. <laughs> being funded to go and basically record a TV series where they try and find um, this the lost uh, island of Yamato. Imiko, who is a yeah, who's a, a goddess who uh, has been on this island that is lost, and it's to it's basically a time team documentary they're, yeah, they're yeah, filming, yeah. Um, all under the guise of having possibly a relative of this great. Um, Eastern uh, sort of empress uh, in in the crew, and and so Lara is sort of the junior uh, expert in terms of the history and the archaeology and and that kind of side of things. Mm. And they go to uh, this island on Lara's hunch against the advice of the um, right. airheaded big shot TV presenter. Yeah. Um, but based on how passionate Lara is about thinking that this island's in a certain direction. And they crash land onto an island, and it turns out you can't leave. And there are uh, an indigenous group of very dangerous individuals there, and yeah. it all starts sounding a lot like Lost. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so it transpires that the the there is you find out mostly through I think uh, diary pages um, that you pick up. You find out that there is one guy who is the leader of of these. Um, this essentially this uh, gang on the island who crash landed here and has survived and has worked out that there is no way to leave the island unless a ritual is performed to allow you to do so. So you've got Lara and her group who crash landed on the island and are just trying to survive long enough to get off and start to uncover the fact that there are over the ages all these different groups of people who've crashed onto and been brought to this island um, and they're all finding out that there's something supernatural going on and some reason why they are unable to leave. It's not uh, particularly any worse than the Uncharted stories, I suppose. No, but... I, I don't think it is in, in its basic structure. I think the problem is the the characters don't sell you on mm. it. And yeah. there's, there's a big problem with um, the notion of this this uh, group, of this gang of enemies essentially on the island who are all just sitting there waiting for fate, destiny to deliver... Jay, Jay, Jay's thing. Uh, do you remember he was saying he has this real problem with the with the the blue people and the zombie people yeah. in, in the Uncharted games? It's like, uh, but uh, uh, he's right. You know, it doesn't it doesn't stack up. What what is this society? How does it exist when we're not there interacting with it? But yeah. this one's even more like that because these aren't kind of weird, you know, uh, supernatural beings. These are just weird. <laughs> I think what the the way they try to paint it, I don't know how well it comes across. Is uh, is that group of survivors? Uh, it's more like a cult kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Well, very much. And yeah. so, well, they can't leave the island themselves. Yeah. So, what else are they going to do? Is is wait and uh, mm. for this person to crash, and that is their only hope. And they've been doing this for a, a very long time. And I mean, the thing is, I don't think. Tomb Raider's never had the greatest of plot lines. It's had you know, concurrent no. plot lines running through it uh, to mm. do with Lara's family. So like, that stuff is there, but I suppose in the reboot we're, we're expecting uh, another level above. If, if it has so many other assets that are really interesting, the story should have been one of them, and, that, and that's ultimately where it falls down on. And the point is it didn't really bother me that much. Like I'm saying it would have been a better overall experience if it had had the writing and the characters of Uncharted, then mm. well hey, we've got a you know, we've we've got something approaching a classic on our hands. But as it is, it's just a really fun video game. And I was okay with that because it was really fun. Yeah. 
and uh, like the combat the combat for me was way better than uncharted yes. and the, and the environmental traversal I, I think sticking with the side characters for a second i i just felt mm. like they were there as a means for lara to to have um, lara. you know, continue her lara to have <laughs> things to do yeah yes. it's just continue a continuation of her storyline they were just there to for story beats to be played off for certain yes. characters to to die for her to go in different directions and ultimately to try to save supposedly her best friend from the clutches of the the but, final guy who, yeah. who and she he's the chosen one but but that's the thing isn't it ultimately even the best friend all the other characters all of that story i've just said it's all secondary to what the real story that Crystal Dynamics mm-hmm. and probably Rihanna Pratchett were trying to tell, as we've already said, is they were telling Lara's story. Everything else is window dressing. Mm-hmm. The most important thing they wanted to get across is what happens to Lara, this um, you know, the evolution. young, early 20-something, maybe even late yeah. teens girl who's just come out of university on her first adventure to go and do this thing with her friend, albeit, but what happens to her? And the first two hours of the game is almost nothing to do with any of that story that we've just mentioned yeah. aside from just getting to know who Lara is and, and how she's going to change over the course of the game and the important thing thereafter is to make sure that the gameplay is fun and I agree with you Leon I think the, the gameplay supported that magnificently Let's uh, let's bring in Electric Crocosaurus at this point because he speaks to this, and also you know the, the the scene that we must talk about because it was used in promotion and and it and it is relevant and it also creates the infamous uh, disconnect between mm. the early events and later events, um, ludo narrative dissonance and all that, um, taking it to new levels, <laughs> possibly. Electric Crocosaurus says, For me, the most interesting aspect of this game is Lara, both in the way she was presented by the makers of the game pre-release and how she appears in the game. Leading up to the game's release, the makers were keen to promote the emotional connection they were hoping to create between the player and Lara, with the executive producer Ron Rosenberg saying that players will want to protect her. He even said that you start to root for her in a way that you might not root for a male character, the implication being that gamers will want to protect her because she is female, rather than because this is a younger, more vulnerable character than the one that has featured in previous Tomb Raiders. His comments garnered a lot of attention, but mostly for his mention of a rape scene rather than the dubious sexual politics above. Ah yes, the rape scene. The assault on Lara was an element that gathered a lot of attention pre-release, and with the and while the final scene in the game is suitably intense, it's far less graphic than the early reports would have led gamers to believe. Whether the assault is sexual in nature or not, it is never explicitly depicted or mentioned, is up for the player to decide. But it is without doubt the key moment both thematically and mechanically for the game. Mechanically, this is the point where the gunplay starts to come to the fore, while thematically the act represents Lara's first human kill, the first of what will be many by the game's end. It is also the point where my problems with Lara's character begin. While there is much of a build-up to her first kill and the emotional turmoil of that is shown effectively, the game too quickly changes gear and becomes an Uncharted-style action-adventure. It seems curious that the story writers would be so keen to feature a reluctant killer, but then gives the player no choice but to kill in order to progress. The player is even rewarded with more experience points for headshots and stealth kills, which arguably glorifies the violence. As for Lara's transformation into the woman known from previous games, the story insists on having a male mentor mentor to show her the ropes, who for a significant part of the game is never more than a walkie-talkie away. The wise old mentor is an old character trope from Arthurian legend to Lord of the Rings, but in a story that had the potential to feature a strong, independent female lead, it rankles that she still has to learn her ways from a tough, older man. 
In the interest of balance, I should say that I found much to like in this more human Lara 2.0, and I commend the game makers for attempting what they did. The fact that Lara actually looks like a human rather than a distorted funhouse mirror version of one is a definite step in the right direction, though one that Crystal Dynamics had already made with their previous Tomb Raiders. Yet their attempts still register as a failure, as they should have had the confidence to allow their story to have more influence on the game. Fewer, tougher enemies, some degree of levelling up so that Lara doesn't shoot like an Olympic champion as soon as she picks up a weapon, and something new rather than a lots of enemies, one big enemy final battle. Yeah, well, one of the things I think they tried to do and didn't come across, uh, once you get past the first kill, uh, you, you do a little bit of platforming, then you get to a section uh, where you're pinned down and have to t- kill two guys and it goes slow motion. And I don't know if you guys can remember, her aim in that scene is actually quite terrible because I think they're trying to convey the fact that she's still internally trying to come to terms with what she's about to do and has to do, right. which is kill to survive. Mm. But the trouble is, after that, it really doesn't continue. I suppose you could yeah. say that they try and carry on through the game's leveling mechanics. If you look at one of the trees that you level up where you slowly become uh, better at killing, to be fair... Uh, I suppose it's the it's going on the fact that the first one was hard, but after that it starts to get easier, kind of thing. But I don't know whether that comes across very well, and probably not. You you can see this from two ways. I mean, from, there's huge brushstroke that, and and that is being that as you know, once Lara has made her first kill, that she <laughs> develops and de- desensitizes to the action or to the to what she's doing as a character and over the period of the course of the game time you get to the very end she has turned into the character that we know from the other you know the rest of the franchise the rest of the franchise that has happened um i then that's just one huge brushstroke i don't think it particularly works well and to me this game's all over the place with this aspect and we've talked about this on the uncharted show about nathan drake is a you know lovable likable character but really is a mass murderer at heart and you know, bravo for Crystal Dynamics to try to tackle this with um, the beginning kind of hour or so of the game. But the first hour is is just so odd uh, compared to the rest of the game. It's mm. all over the place. So, 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 but from multiple points. I mean, I, I, one from the gameplay point of view, and the, the, you could argue that pretty much what you do in the first hour of the game is push forward um, and, and a few you know, quick time button presses. And it's very cinematic and it's very intense. And you do feel like um, she's in peril multiple times. But then you get the other aspects which they seem to want to, you know, her first... I mean, her first kill isn't a human. Her first kill is a deer. And yeah. she's completely freaked out by this moment that she has to shoot a deer. Um, and, but, you know, 12 hours later on, you, you've become this absolutely psycho mass murderer who's yeah. now absolutely proficient with every single weapon known to man. And it's just, like I said, the brushstroke is far too much. I, I, I think... You know, whether this game would work where you, you only had a dozen people to kill, I think that would be fairly interesting. But I don't, you know, from a massive AAA standpoint, I think they just looked at what Uncharted did and went, well, that got away with it. But then Uncharted didn't really tackle what they were tackling at the very start of the game. No, so, Nathan, Nathan Drake never gets possibly sexually assaulted as far as we see on screen, for instance. He but doesn't but he's, ha- also, you know. he's also never... Wet, wet behind the ears. He, from the moment we see him, he's already a relatively experienced, yeah, version of of who he is. You know, he yeah. he but, has been with Sally for a while. He's learned the ropes. He's already capable of doing what he's doing. Yeah, but um, they even do that in Uncharted, where they, you know, he tries to be fairly pacifist at the very start of the game, and by the end of the game, you know, he's like, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, we can't shoot the guards, but then goes on and shoots everybody. I, I think to say it's painted with broad brushstrokes is actually to be generous. I think 
that first hour of the game for I, I'd going into it. I'd obviously had a month since the game had been released before I started playing it, and I'd heard people say, "Oh, just get through the first hour. It's all QTEs, but just get through it. Don't worry." I think that first hour was the intent of this game, and I mm. think like a lot of things that they intended with this game, they then throw it under the bus. In broad brushstrokes, isn't even the half of it. They set up Lara to be vulnerable, and then throw that under the bus because we need the gameplay to be fun. Like mm. like it's not possible to make gameplay interesting. Whether it's fun or not is a different matter, but make it interesting without shooting people in the head over and over again. Um and they they set up this notion of Lara is injured, she's tired, she's hungry, you have to kill a deer, she goes through this emotional turmoil. And not only does she then Aside from then, the next time when she first has to kill a human, she never experiences anything like that. There's no smooth curve there at all. She never has to kill another animal to eat at no, all. No, they introduce a whole. I mean, they spend time introducing this whole gameplay Hunting segment mechanic, yeah. and then never come back to it. And it's, I mean, I, once again, from a we need to make this for, for you know, the most commercial viable as possible. Mm. I understand. I even, you know, I, I recall back to Metal Gear Solid 3 and having to do the, the eating of snakes to survive and etc. And I found that really daunting and, and didn't like it the first time mm. I played for it. In fact, it stopped me from playing the game at the very start. But but they had the, they had the vision to see it through. They had the intent mm-hmm. to see it through. And whether or not we liked it, they said, no, this is what we want to do. This is the game we want to make. We stuck with it. My point is, I mean, as much as we mm. can bash Uncharted for this, they don't bring attention to it. So they kind of get this dumb action film pass. The yeah. problem here is Crystal Dynamics bring massive attention to it and then either abandon um, gameplay mechanics just because yeah. they don't, you know, they don't have the confidence to to push them through, or they just didn't work, and they then want to leave it in the very start. And then they they also br- bring issues to let's say you know her development as a character, but then just can't back it up after this first hour because they feel like the gameplay just won't suit. But then don't like you can't have your cake and eat it at that point. Yeah. Like, you can't have both. So at this point, I'd played. Uh... You know, I played uh, relative. Had I played? Oh, I'm not actually sure now. At some point around then, I you know I tried to play I Am Alive, mm. um, which uh, which I really liked. As I said, I really liked the concept and the structure, the idea of the setup of you know few combat encounters, the genuine desire not to kill, and all that. But unfortunately, in that game, uh, for me, the gameplay was basically broken. Whereas Tomb Raider, um, you know, it it attempts something similar. In that, in those first, in those first couple of hours, um, and then kind of, as you say, it throws it away completely, disregards it completely, abandons it. But yeah. do you know what? I still went on to play that game for about you know eighteen to twenty hours because yeah. I was having fun, mm-hmm. unlike I am alive, <laughs> which more important. It seems there's a couple of disconnects in the game. There's a disconnect between the nar- the narrative disconnect between the mechanical gameplay, and there's also a weird disconnect between the narrative, the gameplay, and the cutscenes. Because that's the one thing that really bugged me in this game, is the cutscenes. Do go on. The amount of times... Uh, for a start, Lara should be dead after the first hour in this game, <laughs> because you start off hanging upside down, you have to burn your... whatever it is you're, you're sort of being held in. She falls about 50 feet, impales herself, (laughs) and then carries on, and it's never mentioned again. And the amount of times in the cutscenes where Lara falls, or the the, the wolf attack, where she gets her ankle caught in a bear trap, which would have crushed her ankle. True, but it's a great scene where you're having to defend yourself of the wolves. (laughs) She's got a little limp for a bit, and then she's fine. 
which really disconnects with like the story and then the mechanics also disconnects here and there. It, it just seems very strange. Yeah, I mean, it becomes, yeah, it, it, it turns into movie slash video game superhero logic. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's fine if that's what you're doing. That You know, we're used to that. It's okay. There are There are great films and games where... Like Indiana Jones, you know, Indiana Jones yeah. is superhuman. Hmm. He's the the thing. The reason people love him so much is because, unlike sort of predecessor heroes, he was fallible and he made mistakes and he got things wrong and he still bumbled his way through. That's you know, and, and Harrison Ford was fucking amazing. But it's okay. It's okay that he takes a ridiculous amount of punishment and still gets up to fight the Nazis some more. In fact, it's more than okay. It's fucking inspirational. It makes you mm-hmm. go, yeah. But you know there are scary bits in in the indie movies but it's always it's always kind of camp you know mm. it's kind of kind of silly but that opening scene you know the opening section that you just mentioned neil with the you know being stabbed through the stomach and mm. of course you know the assault by the 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 cult member whether you read it as a potential sexual assault or not i certainly do um it's that scene is i you know that scene in isolation and those first couple it's of hours powerful. are excellent Mm. And and really well done, but it is just the 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 cr- crashing juxtaposition is hard to ignore. But for me, again, it comes down to the fact that I had eighteen hours of fun mm. playing the game, and the fact that they fucked that up is a minor consideration. And, and let me say how I can actually deal with this, and and it it segregates pretty easily in my mind. Is the first hour, two hours of gameplay feels so different from what you do with the rest of the game so mm. you know structurally there's a lot of you know quick time events there's a lot of very close camera shots and, and stuff like that and it it doesn't feel like the second well the the rest of the three courses of the game where it's more about you know controlling uh lara in the in the in the, the proper method lara in the proper method of um of you know of going up the side of walls and platforms mm. and, and the combat stuff. And it, it feels so different from the, the start of that game that in my mind, I feel like I just segregated the two and said, okay, this is what they tried. Well done. But actually this is the base of the game. And I kind of almost just went, well, that's where the segregation is. And now, now I'm free to actually just enjoy the game part. And yeah, yeah. I did. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the game. Yeah. I, that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. I think the reason I'm less forgiving of it is that, not just from the game, but from what Crystal Dynamics were saying beforehand, it was clear that they thought they were going to show us something that wasn't just a Lara we hadn't seen before, it was a character development in video games we hadn't seen before. Whether it was because it was a female protagonist and we wanted to protect her, can't even fathom why that entered their head, or Mm. whether it's just because we were going to see a character grow into an icon that we knew she would become. Mm. They then didn't do it, and they so spectacularly didn't do it as t- to make me wonder why they even thought they were going to in the first place. But are you not you? You know, you keep saying you know the gameplay's fun, the gameplay's better than Uncharted. Yeah, I know you're yeah. not a big fan of Uncharted mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Um, is there not the danger that you're comparing it to? You know, you're you're almost buying into the hype too much to actually just see the game for what it is, which is a really mm-hmm. good fun video game. True, but at a certain point, I'm I'm still going to hold the game makers responsible because they are the ones building the hype. And yes, yeah, I, I can absolutely say where I'm going to I'm going to distance myself from the hype and say I don't believe a single word you're saying, but they are saying it. And and okay, I can say I'm not going to believe anything, but at a certain point, then I should just never know anything about any game before I go into it. 
And that's not what they want to do. They want to sell me on it. I'm going to have this experience that's going to change the way that I view not only this character, but what can be done with characters in video games. But I often find that, you know, I, I, I now professionally have to do the thing where I write mm, up yeah. previews and take quotes and, mm. and, and that kind of thing. But I've been following this industry for yeah. for 35 years or whatever. Mm. And I know that a lot of the things that are said, whether they're said, you know, it's 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 tactical PR. It's not oh, yeah, yeah. it's not a representation of of the truth. It's the same way that trailers for movies can sometimes totally under or oversell a film, yeah, or yeah. completely sell a different film. You know, films where mm. they show you all five jokes in the thing, and then the film you watch is actually a serious drama, or you know whatever. It's mm. it yeah. can really serve you as a as a as a gamer. Serve one as a gamer. I keep saying you as if you <laughs> James um, can really serve one when consuming media to if not put all that out of your head, but reset your thinking when you've actually got yeah, yeah. the finished product yeah. in you. Because, you know, it does sound like you enjoyed a lot of, about this game, but it seems like your problem is it is, is based on is pre-release flannel, which is, I think, I find irrelevant once I'm playing the game. That That's all then couched in the fact that there was a clear intention in the game. There was a lot of setup in the game that I didn't yeah. feel was followed through on. Um, Andy Hamilton wrote an, an excellent uh, article about why this game was more Resident Evil than Resident Evil has been since since 4. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was more survival horror. I think its intent was survival horror, but when you're captured by these giant, lumbering, uh, ethereal, you know, beings, superhuman beings, and strapped up in a room where you're super clean, the guy next to you is super clean, everything else is just blood, and you crawl your way out of there with just blood and arms spurting and flying around you in this completely unrealistic mm -hmm. way, the survival aspect of that's completely lost, mm. and it starts to break down the intent within the game, even even setting aside what they said beforehand. And the violence is a really weird one here. I mean, she, she, I mean she's shot a lot of people in their time in all the other games, uh, and, and you know killed many endangered species, and that, that's the funny old joke, but... It just feels like it goes a step too far. Like, it doesn't need to go as far as it does. Um, so, you, I mean, there's many death scenes, um, and some of them are ridiculously over the top. And it, yeah. And yeah. I'm not going to use snuff porn or anything like that, but it just feels like there, there was no need to go as far as they, they did. And the bit where I had a massive disconnect actually wasn't the violence towards her or even the violence towards other people. It's when she's wandering through the caves, and uh, there's a descent moment where she comes out yeah. as... Lake of blood yeah. dripping a, from yeah, her from a, a close angle, the descent, yeah. and I just I was like, why? It's and then they don't really back it up with any story part part of that, and it's just at that point I kind of just got so blasé about the violence in it. I was, gonna, but and it, it doesn't really serve any purpose other than well, to shock. And thematically, it does. I just think the way it was handled was for shock instead of instead of a thematic moment which could have been quite subtly handled i think that's what you the word you've just used tony is perfect it's for shock and when it's for shock it loses its impact yeah. in in in, a, in the other way which is the subtle way the that thematic moment of her it's the apocalypse now moment of you know coming out of but the, here we go we're, we're tying and, and this is always the problem is when you're mm. rebooting or anything but you're tying into a franchise which is beloved it just doesn't feel very Tomb Raider. And maybe exactly that's what they want, is, is to change things up now for a modern audience. And a modern audience likes violence, and they like you know these big action set paces. But a lot of the issues that I have with the game, and, and I've learned actually now to put these to one side and just enjoy the game for what it is. But if you actually compare it to a Tomb Raider game, it lacks in so many areas. Um, 
you know, one tombs, <laughs> the tombs, the exploring of tombs. We should, we may as well talk about that now. We're there. Uh, mm. How do you, how do you like? We, I think we've all agreed that actually traversing the environment, and you know, they are fairly large areas. Some, some of the places yeah. you can, you have a fair amount of freedom. It's not like little boxed off linear levels, but. Mm. The actual raiding of tombs is a kind of a side quest, isn't it? And they yeah. are very small. But the best puzzles in the game are all in the in the tombs. So, so what's really weird is that they they wanted a you know these big open environments, but they didn't want the player to have completely free reign of where they were going. So they they're kind of closed off within sections, and you explore the island. And it feels like there's a a continuation of you know moving along this island, getting deeper into its depths. And they they I think they do a good job of that. But at at the same time, they they segregate little almost like instant tombs. You come to an area and you, you go off and you can explore there. Bear in mind that she's not really a tomb raider at this point. So, you know, I, I can understand why they didn't have these huge elaborate tombs. But this is what made Tomb Raider... Maybe they should have it, called it Lara Croft Archaeology Student instead yeah, of Tomb but Raider. The, but this is, I mean, Tomb Raider is about the exploring the tombs. And what they deliver in, in the... I think there's like seven or eight of them, isn't there? In, yeah. in, there's, bear um, in mind, I think if you like me, you pre-order one. You there's can... a DLC one and it's no, terrible. Okay, yeah. Well, actually, the tomb is fine, but it, it lasts about four minutes. But... <laughs> They're really not that complex of puzzles. Um, you know, going back in my no, playing, I playing through good puzzles. I mean, they you know they weren't. Oh, compared to the original games, and you could you could mm. spend anything up to yeah. you know forty five minutes to two hours. No one would do that now. If you're going to compare it to previous Tomb Raiders, you know, one of the standout tombs there has got to be the Lost Valley from the first one, where it's all about finding three cogs, but it's a massive, well, fairly well designed level. Yeah, I think that is true. I don't think anyone would do it. Without signposting, no one would do it. I think the thing, it's it's not that they're necessarily lacking in complexity because within the individual tomb, there's a, there, there is a complex puzzle there, or certainly an interesting puzzle, but there's single puzzle rooms mm. in, mm-hmm. in almost, I think, every one of the eight instances. And it's a little pat on the back, well done, you've, you've achieved that. Off you go out the back into the environment. and it's, Yeah, uh. yeah. You come to the room, see the campfire, and from the campfire you can generally see where you need to get to. And it's a, it, it may be a multi-stage puzzle, but it's a single puzzle to solve to get through it. So it doesn't feel as far-reaching and as vast, and it doesn't feel like a significant part of the game, even though individually I absolutely agree that the tombs are are great little puzzles. There are a couple of them in the game. The first one you have to do, I think, is mandatory, or it certainly invites you to go in there. And the second one is you have to rescue, I think it's three or four of your crewmates from a cage, and that, that's got a certain puzzle aspect to it that's... Mm. That's similar to the the tombs, yeah. and they work well as well. But the way that I think, and this is what baffles me, is that obviously there's a lot of combat in that. And, you know, as we talked now, the combat is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I went back for for this show. Um, I when I finished the game, I didn't go back and get all the collectibles. Uh, I know Leon. I think you did get all the collectibles. I didn't get all of them, but I I did keep going back. I uh, yeah, I kept hopping so, back into it just because it was so much fun to be in you know play around. The last couple of nights, just you know, exploring the island and, and as a new game plus. And what they do as a new game plus is, it's almost the Tomb Raider that I wanted because they open up the island. You can go anywhere you want within this island because you've unlocked all the areas. And there's there's normally maybe one or two bad guys left in the environment, but you could be like these huge outdoor environments and just you know not see anybody. And there's tons of collectibles across the place, and you know whether you like those or not. But they serve a really interesting um, purpose here. Certainly, in the way that I was playing it, I would stop, I would look at the map, I'd see where the collectible was, mm. and then I'd spend about 15 minutes getting up to the one, you know, up to this really high precipice, trying to get that collectible, get that, and then go to the next one on the map, totally. yeah. and then realise that it's all the way down in the bottom corner there. Spend another 10, 15 minutes traversing your way down, and I was going, you know what? 
this is exactly what I wanted from this Tomb Raider game. Mm, totally. Um, mm. I wanted, you know, to be told to go there and use these big island, you know, exploring, exploring the experience and come across one or two people and the kills will actually have some meaning. I certainly went back into it and looked for some collectibles. Um, I ran out of steam on that. I'd, I'd already done the, the eight tombs during the playthrough. I just happened to, whenever I had the chance to explore around, I found them. Um, but I hadn't done a lot of the collectibles. In a lot of the areas, there are specific, area-specific, uh, sort of um, slightly cryptic collectibles that you're not really sure what you're looking for. Uh, one of them I think is called ghosts. There's some that are little pendants on mm-hmm. the trees, um, that kind Eggs. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I went back and... I probably for about an hour after I'd finished the game was going around just collecting all these different things and I did run out of steam on it a bit but what really struck me was the level design it's it makes I think that actually makes the traversal what it is the level design is really really clever because it always feels like even though this area seems quite big it's not necessarily it fast, not when you compare it to something like Far Cry 3, which has a lot of similar sort of uh, ideals placed upon traversal and, and freedom to do what you want. But the way they design the level, um, there's one where, where you go through, well, actually quite often, you go through in the story in a linear fashion, but then when you come back to it because mm-hmm. of events in the story, it's changed. And you start to get a feel for how they actually put the level together and what's possible and where you can go and what you can do. And it just, it really struck me that there's there's something really smart they've done um, in the level design, just in yeah. terms of using the equipment and where you can go and understanding what you can do without needing everything you can grab onto to yeah, be painted. Certain areas or, you need to burn to, yeah, to bring them down. To, or, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's a great great ability you have of the bow and arrow that you can tie that onto different parts of wood yes. so you can fire it up yeah. to designated areas, I grant you, but then that takes ropes away from another area, so you kind of you know, you've, you're locked away from one bit, and you yeah. have to traverse across. And some really clever stuff. And they they mm-hmm. don't, you know, they funnel you down in the main storyline away from that stuff, and then just open up this huge world for you to explore. And I'm thinking, well, I think maybe they could they could have made a more interesting game. But here is my ultimate problem. And this is where we should get onto the gameplay. Is I I really really enjoyed playing Tomb Raider, um, and I really enjoyed the combat. And I to me it was where. <laughs> Naughty Dog got the storyline right. I always felt that the combat just just wasn't yeah. wasn't quite there for whatever yeah. reason. They tried it three times and it and it always felt at odds. And you know, I, I I like Batman like everyone does, but I just feel like this just the traversal aspects, the the getting you know automatic getting behind cover. Um, you know, she, she's silky smooth. The the bone and arrow and the silent kills. You know, if you if you wanted to go in get their guns blazing, you could. I mean, it, it's sometimes it was a little bit hard but if you wanted to take the silent route you could you, I felt like there was a real you know lots of opportunities to get up high take people flexible. down the aisle yeah, yeah it's just yeah, you know, or flexible. you could just almost wander through levels and, and get to the exit like that, that, sometimes I tried that and it failed spectacularly and everybody <laughs> came for me but I felt like that was an option and it was just you know me having to watch uh, routes but other times I just you know got the shotgun and, and blasted through and took cover and, and like, all those aspects seemed to come together in a real fluid fashion the AI not brilliant like, but, it's the usual. but it, it was really yeah. fun yeah, red barrels yeah, everywhere and that's it, it's, it for, for its flaws in terms of narrative and characterisation it's a video game that is really good fun now I know some games give us everything or nearly everything um, you know we could mention The Last of Us at this point um, you know, <laughs> Let's just keep perfect. blasting. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. But, with that more but, people should play it. But you know, 
Um, let's bring in our regular correspondent, uh, Derek Ritchie, at this point, because uh, he speaks to this. He says, this is by far and away my favourite game of the year so far, something that is all down to how much fun I had playing the title. I can fully appreciate that the development of Lara is stilted. I can see that the supporting cast is given short shrift and fail to really create any connection with you, and that the story is very standard in both its overall arc and execution. I can even appreciate that many will feel that the core focus of exploring tunes hardly exists. Quite frankly, I do not care at all. None of that mattered to me. I loved the exploration of the island, hunting out the hidden treasures and navigating from area to area. It was such a stunning place to wander around and get myself lost in, with changes in style really helping to provide a sense of place. Yeah, I, was, I would say it's a very geologically diverse uh, island for such a small place, but works really well. I enjoyed the core loop of looking, discovering and combat that they managed to expertly pace out during the game's runtime. Quite simply, it was just fun, and at points dazzling in its scope. And while it was ostensibly a game in many ways, it never felt overly cliched or tonally out of step with itself. Everything flowed naturally to me. It was so good that I ended up collecting everything, scouring each se each section for secrets and the hidden tombs. It was never that difficult, but what it did give me was something that I always looked forward to playing. I was impressed at how graphically stunning it was as well, considering the age of the hardware it was running on. I don't know what console he played it on. Uh, sounds like the Spectrum. I honestly never expected those sort of visuals was possible on the consoles on consoles nearly ten years old. It also does make me wonder how much of a narrative how much a narrative can impact how the game is enjoyed and how much perception plays into expectations. James, <laughs> for for many this deviates from what Tomb Raider should be, and they suffer disappointment and possible resentment through that. Likewise, with a more serious tone, the failure to craft an impactful story may detract from the gameplay for others, as they see little reason to persevere with a relatively two-dimensional character portrayal. I was able to happily sail past both simply due to the amount of enjoyment I was getting, but I can see why others could have far more of an issue with what is being presented. There have been other games this year with far more involving characters and story, but I never had anywhere near as much fun playing them as I did this. For them, I played them just to get to the story parts at points, to forward the tale. This, Tomb Raider, I played because I enjoyed the whole package. A very rare thing these days. I think it's interesting, and it probably points to what he's saying, that he says that it never felt overly cliched or totally out of step with itself, but he, he's already, you know, to me, in his first paragraph, he's... That was the one bit of, of his that I, I disagreed with, yeah. Everything he else says that the story is very standard. Well, that probably means that in some way it's cliched. Um, and and that Lara's development is stilted. Well, that's exactly why it's totally out of step with itself to me. Um, so it may not felt that way to him, but that's exactly why it was those things to me. Um, and yes, I, I absolutely accept that um, expectation uh, weighs heavily on games like this, but I, I challenge anyone to go into any game with zero expectations, because why would you be playing a game if you had no expectations because you wouldn't have known anything about it? So it's, yeah, anything. Um, so, and, and you know, I absolutely uh, concede that I had great fun with the combat. The traversal was, was excellent. And I thought, that, as I've said, the level design is one of the best games I, I can remember ever having played in terms wow. of level design. What did Effusive. Ad, how did you feel about um, the set pieces as well? I, I know some people feel like it's the, you know, they're not overly pleased about the way the industry is going, almost like you know, just press forward to win. Um, but I thought it done some of the, some of the cutscenes, not even cutscenes, are they? But some of the in-game action scenes 
um, where you have little control, but things are happening around you. I thought it was spectacular. That um, was almost exactly what I was going to move on to. I thought the QTEs, I was, from hearing people talk about QTEs, that puts me on edge because inevitably I fail those two or three times and then I start getting, not frustrated, but just start thinking, well, why is this here? If I'm going to fail at it and it's it's demanding that I get better, not at the game, just at this QTE. And, and I never felt that was a problem at all. I think I failed the the that famous, infamous confrontation moment where your a gun is pulled on you and 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 Lara kills her first uh, human being. I failed that QTE the first time round, but I understood that I was caught up in the moment, missed the QTE prompt, got it the second time round, it was fine. But equally well, I started noticing odd things about requiring button presses simply to get through a cutscene. Um, which was when you're sliding down the the river and there's those um, wooden barriers in the way. The, the shot, yeah. I was about to say... I, I didn't fail them, but it automatically pulled up crosshairs. When I know fine well if I pull my left trigger, I pull up crosshairs. And I actually checked that the second time around. I'm like, why is it automatically pulling up crosshairs? Is If it's just to make it easier, because apparently I can't understand that I need to you know, set my aim on my shotgun before I pull the trigger... Hmm. Why is it there? Why isn't it just a cutscene? And it does a criminal thing to me for a game that gives you new pieces of equipment all the way through and gives you little tutorials that aren't the most clever I've ever seen but are pretty well handled. They don't pull you out of the game by saying do this to carry on. It does, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. There's prompts telling you how to use uh, various pieces of equipment and that you can, as Tony said, use your bow to connect rope uh, bridges and that sort of thing. One moment uh, you go on, you break back into the ship that you you crashed into the island in. Um, You have a moment where a character, for some reason, needs to die, despite the fact Lara has more than proved that she could take all of these people out and get away with him. Um, But he needed his moment to... to... It was the noble sacrifice. Yeah. He needed his moment to give Lara (laughs) reason to go after these guys. Fair enough. Um, She's just got this rope climber which is basically a, a handheld sort of winch where such um, fun though it, great fun absolutely great fun and you've used <laughs> it once before to pull a heavy box down to uh to open up the new section of the ship you need to get into and as you are going through an incredibly high stakes tense <laughs> fast escape from a ship you hook onto a rope and you think yeah this is where i'm going to use this new piece of equipment to get off push x to continue Mm. I sat for five minutes looking at that screen wondering why I wasn't getting caught by anyone behind me. Yeah. Why did you put a tutorial in the middle of a key paced scene? <laughs> that was just a bad place to put it. It screams. It was a bit mad, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it but just, that's, I, that's, I can't understand it. The skyship collapsing as you're oh, wandering your way through it. brilliant. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah, spectacular. The, I mean, what else? One I think was a really uh, delicately handled one is the climbing of the the aerial at the yes. close to the yes. close to the start of the game because once yeah. again you, you're seeing and there's a real sense of pride as uh, Lyra, Lara Lara <laughs> um, <laughs> as she manages to get to the top of the aerial and yeah I don't know about on the consoles but on on the PC I was mm. my I was like good God that yeah. looks incredible I was left like how the hell she's going to get down from there the second time around watching that if you actually watch her you see how tentative she is doing that which just builds yeah. into mm-hmm. that that yeah, sensation absolutely. of oh god you got the plane crashes you know, it's tumbling down behind you and you just narrowly mm-hmm. escape out the way I mean it's all very uncharted and you know for some people I can understand why they don't like the influences there being or being in there in their Tomb Raider game but 
if you're gonna do it, I felt like they outdid Uncharted in many of those set pieces, and and that's a you know bold thing to say because many people would class that as all but a classic. And La- Lara leaping from from whatever to whatever, spire to spire, ledge to ledge, she, they've got it right. It, she doesn't mm-hmm. look like she's jerking or floating like like no, like Drake. Not incredibly smooth. Animation. And that's diff- that's obviously difficult because there's a lot of yeah. games where it looks slightly iffy, like Infamous and things like that. Whereas Whereas in this, um, and you know, very seldom died through anything other than your own fault, and um, you know, and the game just carries on just like that, doesn't it? You don't. Yeah, I mean, to compare it, I mean, a lot of people like the traversal in in Assassin's Creed, and I do, but frequently you can see the transitions between running and climbing, and you can see the the jerk as 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 Ezio or, or whoever the, the protagonist in whichever particular Assassin's Creed it might be. Adjusts themselves to to make a jump that you're trying to make, or jumps in completely the wrong direction, yeah, yeah. and it, that's a massively open world. So it's got its own challenges. Whereas this is a this is a little bit more sort of uh, reined in in terms of its scope, in terms of any one area. But um, yeah, the animation absolutely wonderful. Yeah, really. Is. Um, we should probably save any further thoughts we have for our own summaries. Yeah, um, time is moving on. There's a lot of Tomb Raider to talk about. Um, we're not ruling out ever coming back to another Tomb Raider game, as I say, and tackling it separately. But um, we might not, so we thought we'd better talk about the whole, the whole thing. Gambit. Um, it's always frust. Uh, gamut. Gamut. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's always frustrating because there's always more to say. I did want to talk about the the development of Lara herself. You know, Toby Gard, um, starting with an Indiana Jones man and then creating this uh, this Laura Cruth character, South American woman, um, based uh, somewhat inspired by. Nine, uh, 80s 90s pop artist Nena Cherry and anyway uh, it's all there on the internet there, there's a it, real but... rich history to to the characters so yeah mm-hmm. look look into it it's great yeah i mean normally that you know the, the the glib thing is because toby guard and there was another guy who used to get uh, regularly interviewed about tomb raider but i can't even remember his name now because toby guard just be kind of came the figurehead um, but he certainly was the one most responsible i believe for designing the character um but it was it's the old glib quote about well we just wanted to you know we didn't want to look at a man's ass for or we didn't want players per- perhaps to look at a man's ass for all those <laughs> but i'm not even sure that that was ever something that was ever said with any seriousness or anything. i think it was yeah. a, like we've we've done this interview four thousand times now let's be you know let's be glib about it so yeah absolutely it's a bit more interesting than that and it does put a little bit of distance imagine when they're creating the character you know the immediate comparison is indiana jones and it puts a certain amount of distance in players minds if it's a female character because that's not something they've seen in in a movie that they can easily point to so. yeah um and yes the the, the new lara is uh, just has a slightly different look she's still you know facially her face is is based on, uh, on a model by the name of megan farquan um her face isn't that of camilla luddington although i believe her physique is as well as her voice she did the mocap um she's still obviously conventionally beautiful um, but she isn't quite so, uh, you know, ludicrously Barbie doll as as she used to be, and I think that's probably a good thing. Um, she looks like a real human being, albeit a very attractive one. <laughs> um, three word reviews in the usual order. Uh, so uh, James, me, Neil, and then Tony. Yeah. Uh, Pietrick says Uncharted on PC. Andrew Hogg says One Puzzle Tombs. Steve Robinson says, Reboot done right. The Sniper Gecko, not enough exploration. Sharon Shaw says, Slimy yet satisfying. David Forrest, many late nights. Akila Edwards, 
Bloody Brutal Badass. PG Tip 77. Slow starter. Yawn. Oh, yawn. I'm thinking of <laughs> yawn should be another band word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Tatsun says horrific Lara deaths. Vimesy74 says better without guns. Jamie Henry says still killing wildlife. Coffee Jesus. Didn't sell enough? David Stretch, best Uncharted ever. Daniel Millwood, I believe, sent in about seven. He really didn't seem to like this game very much. They were all negative, but in the end he plumped for a missed opportunity. Matt Dillon, quick time events. Paul Eccles, Drake with breasts. Uh, Marcus Registradus, not Bioshock Infinite. To be fair, it was a reference to the fact that he got waylaid from uh, from Tomb Raider by Bioshock Infinite that, uh, yes. that snapped his attention. So I don't think it's supposed to be perhaps as, as snarky as it might sound. But uh, The Link's defect wastes one of his three words with the same word. But it, it's for emphasis. He says, so, so good. Tom Poland says, realistic, immersive, brilliant. I think realistic is an interesting adjective for this game. But um, I wanted to finish on a positive one. Immersive and brilliant. I'm willing to go with that then. So our own conclusions and summaries. Uh, so Tony, so I have a really weird time with this game. I, as I've come across on the podcast, I think I've come across as extremely negative and extremely positive at the same time, um, which is a really odd feeling to have. Um, I think as a Tomb Raider game, I think it fails in many aspects. As a contender to take Uncharted's crown, I think it does so in combat but fails to do in storytelling. Um, so I'm left just feeling like it's a, a good, fun, brave direction for Crystal Dynamics to take with the game, but I can't help but feel like there's more to come, a better game within that company, mm. and something that, that feels closer to the, the series that I grew up with. But if you take it away from that standalone, or if you take it away from that series of games and look at it as a standalone product, I think it's a really strong... Um, at times slightly misguided um, product and ultimately I thought it was an absolute blast to play and I you know sometimes we get caught up in storylines and concepts and all that stuff and it, actually what it comes down to is how much you enjoy playing the game um, and for all its little mishaps along the way uh, it's my game I've, my best game I've played this year um, just because I left that with a great big smile on my face and going back to it to do all the collectibles again you know, once again, I was like, "This, I just, I love this environment." And you know, for all the little mistakes it makes, I think it's a, you know, just a real blast to play. And I, I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> is it for everybody? I, I, I wouldn't play in front of kids, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but it, it's a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend it. Yes, couldn't agree more. Really, uh, it's one of the only games that I've made time to return to after completing it. Um, don't get a lot of time for such leisurely gameplay um, nowadays and uh, but I couldn't resist just keep hopping back in once the game was over um, to go back in and just scour the map for more things and you're it's it's just constant distractions and solving mini puzzles and things like that and that's the kind of gameplay I really like and by that stage as much as I was interested in the intention of those first couple of hours that was then utterly abandoned uh, in the latter stages um, 
it's kind of forgotten when you when you you know 16 18 hours into the game the the first two hours it's it's as tonally confused as indiana jones and the temple of doom i mean that's famously that film is all over the place uh, you know it's often considered the weakest uh, well, okay, it was considered the, of the weakest. Three. No, weakest of the three. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the the middle of the trilogy was the weakest one. Um, but actually, you know, um, looking at the the games that I'm now, you know, are definitely, you know, my my games of the year are sort of taking shape. Um, Tomb Raider is still right up there, up there with DMC, Devil May Cry, and The Last of Us, and Animal Crossing: New Leaf, and Pikmin Three, and yes, Bioshock Infinite. Um, it's a huge amount of fun um and and it does a lot of things that batman the batman arkham games try to do and uh do well and assassin's creed and uncharted but kind of really with a plum marries them all together um it's a shame it's a shame about it's a shame about the characters um it is uh, and the and the actual script um because it, if it had top quality uh achievements in those areas it, it would have been a, an utter classic but as it is i think if they take the core of what they've done um gameplay wise and improve on a few areas as well they, they could really knock it out of the park with a you know with a next gen tomb raider 2 which is possibly what we'll get now james yeah I probably sound very negative on this and i think what is worth saying is that in terms of the gameplay in terms of the way it looks in terms of some of its intents, certainly in the first couple of hours, the setup for what the, the game hopes to do with, with Lara in terms of a character arc, I think this does some incredible things. I really do. Um, I, had, I had great time uh, with, with the bow and with traversing the environments. But I, I do just feel... and th To say that, that some of the ideas, some of the intent was thrown under the bus, it maybe speaks to how I feel about uh, the game ultimately looking back on it um, which is there's a lot of vulnerability to Lara in the beginning that, that I think there was an opportunity here to really show a not a smooth because it was never going to be smooth and easy uh, given the, the tone of the game but um, a transition so that by the very end of the game Lara was this, um, this competent confident um, hero I just felt it happened a, about five hours in the game too early, and it needed a longer, uh, a longer time just to sort of build up. Um, I, I, my lasting memories of the game end up being the great mechanics, the fact it's kind of an anti-Uncharted in terms of doing all the stuff that um, that I I didn't quite enjoy in Uncharted very well, but stuff like having a group of supporting characters who seem to only ever want to write letters to one another rather than talk. The, the amount of information they wrote down in letters and apparently never said to one another is quite astounding. There's clearly some kind of pathological um, uh, introvertism going on amongst this group of people. Um, and the fact that there are cool boxes filled with XP around, I'm not sure why, someone clearly looked at Alan Wake and decided that flasks were a really good way to go in terms of collectibles. Um... So yeah, just uh, with, with odd little things that really took me out of the experience, like um, you know tutorial prompts popping up in the middle of what should have been a very tightly paced section of the game, and and the end going quite so supernatural as it did, uh, and throwing quite so many enemies at you as it did, was um, a little a little off putting for me. 
but there is a really good game here. It's it's not going to be in my thoughts when it comes to game of the year at the end of the year because there was just too much it did that my expectations, you know, whether that colors this or 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 not, whether I can distance myself from what uh, hype and PR and executive producers said before the game came out. Probably not. Probably that's not possible to do. Um, but it just it feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity to me. And for all that it did well, there's there's too much other stuff, too much baggage that I that just gets dragged along with my memories of this game, unfortunately. And finally, fanatic and guest Neil. I'll admit that while this game is, it has its flaws and it has its narrative disconnect from from the mechanical style, and there's a lot of things that they sort of build up and abandon halfway through. I love this game. I recommend it. I can certainly see why certain aspects of this game. Uh, would put people off, but as far as I'm concerned, this is my favourite Tomb Raider game, out of all of them. I... Which is weird because it's most <laughs> it's the most un Tomb Raider. I, I think it's because of the fact that the focus is so much on Lara and makes you actually interested in her, and the fact that the, uh, one thing that I don't think we mentioned during the show, if you look at her character model as the game progresses, she gets yeah. scarred. She gets severely mm. scarred, which clothes rip and tear and it's not something you're used to seeing from a tomb raider yeah it's not in that (laughs) sense but you know you're not used to seeing in a tomb raider game where she has been sort of the superhero where this son she feels more human than she has done before and i i found that interesting but i freely admit there's certain parts that i didn't enjoy but this really is my favorite one so far and i think it also shows a lot of promise of where they can take this game in the future to make this even longer but it was funny when I went back to um, Underworld because I thought I'll, I'll play a bit of that just for you know comparison's sake mm. and one of the first things you do is jump on the ledge and she does this like backflip handstand yeah. type move and I was like kind of a bit silly and I was like that that just looks really wrong now <laughs> like I'm so used to the, the new version of her that to, to see her do these acrobatics and stuff just felt so at odds with the character that I've kind of now kind of liked <laughs> it's, it's very odd but overall a thumbs up today's assembled panel yeah <laughs> I, I jest no it's a very good game yeah I, I was going to say actually because um, James uh, has actually replaced Darren Gargett on this issue um, and he said that was something to do with balance was he more positive about the game than you was that uh, yeah well the, the um, he basically got, uh, got in touch with me a couple of days ago now and just said yeah you know because uh, during Aliens Colonial Marines co-op I'd Made some comments about Tomb Raider, perhaps not uh-huh. being not being as fond of it as as many people are, and okay. so I think he felt it was it was worth me being on here to to annoy still... and and aggravate just about <laughs> well, not everyone really because you still you still said a lot of really nice things about it. It's just that yeah. the problems that we all agree that it has were more of a problem to you than to the rest of us. Uh, only ten issues remain in Volume Two of the Kane and Rinse podcast. They said it wouldn't last. Well, no, no one. No, well, no one did. <laughs> I suspect somebody did. Fuck those guys. Here we are. Uh, El Shaddai Ascension of the Metatron is up next. Following that, another 2013 game, DMC Devil May Cry. Another reboot, of course. After that, it's Deadly Premonition. Uh, recent, recently announced for PC via Steam Greenlight, weirdly. Um, yeah, a bit of a shame uh, for those pay- playing it on PS3 because the frame rate is a little bit bollocks. But um, yes, Tony is a, 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 a recent convert, shall we say, to the, the Deadly Premonition cause. Following that, um, just celebrated its 20th anniversary. It's Star Wing, or Star Fox for propers, 
uh, and we're also going to look at Lilac Wars and Star Fox 64. Recently headed to Tesco looking for a £10 copy on 3DS. None left. Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory in time for Blacklist. Which is looking pretty good, actually, I have to say. Fahrenheit and Indico Prophecy. Super Meat Boy, finally. L.A. Noir, Psychonauts, and Heavy Rain is issue 100. You can support us by subscribing, reviewing, and rating us on iTunes. Join the Kane and Rinse community and have your say at the Kane and Rinse forum, which can be found at www.kaneandrinse.com forward slash forum. Follow us on fa- or like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube. All of this and more can be found at caneandrinse.com. It only remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony and James and Neil Taylor. Uh, where where are you at? What do you do? You can find me over at gamebus.co.uk, which is looking a little different at the minute because considering our website kind of broke. I blame James for this. And for those who aren't aware, I'm sure most of our listeners are, but Game Burst have a variety of different uh, podcasts, and they tend to be, they're supposed to be, around half an hour long, for the most part. Unless um, we invite one of your alumni along. Well, yeah, yeah. that is it. We, we don't do short um, around here. Uh, but they have a replay show, which is a little like Cana Rinse, but a quarter of the length. Uh, you also have a news show and a quiz show and... The roundtable discussion. Round tables, yeah. And the roundtable discussion. And top, top fives as well. Yeah. And top fives. It's all good. Uh, subscribe to Game Burst. Once again, thank you all. And we'll leave you with some of that Tomb Raider music that's not quite as good as the original Tomb Raider theme. Maybe we'll leave you th- with the original Tomb Raider theme. The remix. Make it so, Darren. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>